Jump cut too. <laughs> Everything's fine. We'll get it right. Oh dear. Uh okay. hear the rest of us. All right. So you need to are you muted? I can Excellent. This is going very well. Everything is fine. So long story short, well Adam figured this out. You might need to change your input on the uh on the thing, right? So uh, no, in OBS. If, you, if they can't hear an OBS, that means you're either muted in OBS, which is possible, or you have the wrong input set. <laughs> anyway, so we had figured this all out beforehand. Uh, it was it went went really well about a week ago into the dry run. But then, of course, when you go live, everything goes wrong. So if you haven't figured it out by now, Adam is running the stro running the stream from his computer instead of me. Uh, so there will be a little bit of hiccup as we get into this. Uh, but tonight is going to be uh, a night talking about the latest edition of the Heavy Gear RPG. So we're joined by Nick, a.k.a. Prof. Welcome, Nick. Good to have you with us, as always. Hey, can you hear me uh, now? Oh, I think it worked. Yeah, I think works. so. Somebody in chat, maybe back me up here. If your thing is Woo! okay, sounds like victory. Okay. Boom, John, you're fired. We don't need you anymore. Excellent. I saw, I saw the best <laughs> meme ever that like Zoom is 2021's Ouija board. It's like <laughs> Adam, Adam, can you hear us? We cannot hear you. <laughs> yeah, pretty, pretty much, pretty much. <laughs> Holy cow! All right, well, yeah. Sorry, uh, no intro music, but we're here. We've made it. We're struggling. It's fine. It's good. We are recording, right? Yeah, we are recording. I pushed that button. Um, so I think even we're... if we're not, there's a few backups, so we're okay. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's one thing I can mess up and we can actually resolve. Yeah. But all right, well, uh, I'm Adam. <laughs> you know me as the guy. And I'm John. Who does not use OBS? <laughs> um, and tonight we are joined by Nick, aka Prof, aka the guy who is writing Heavy Gear. Uh, role-playing game 4th edition or one of the guys writing it um, one of, yeah and holy cow uh, welcome, this is now moving, yay appreciate you having me back yeah, right, enjoying my, my post-COVID post sultry voice <laughs> it's really cool well, um, Nick what are you drinking? <laughs> um, I have my traditional finely aged water, delicious millions of years old yeah, well, it turns out when you have class in, what is that, 10 hours? Nine and a half hours. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. How about you, John? We're not so I am, out yet. I'm finishing off the very last of uh, the Grizzly Troll provided Tokyo whiskey, so thank you again, sir. Ooh, very nice. Well, since this is kind of a special evening for more than one reason, I decided to have a lovely Delirium Red, which... I love the Delirium Tremens. This is like a Tremens. It's a Belgian ale with cherry and elderberry. So mm. delicious. Is it syrupy? Is it? Hmm? No. Oh, okay. That's surprising. I would have expected it's, it to be syrupy. Maybe a little. Maybe yeah. a little bit. It does taste a, okay. a little bit like Robitussin, but in a good way. <laughs> Fair enough. 
<laughs> so so yes, it is syrupy. Is what you're telling me? A little bit, a little bit. Oh, all right, all right. Spiked cough syrup. Yeah. All right. Fair well, uh, cheers. Bottoms up. Nasrovia. Holy cow. Okay, so if I don't mess this up, we're going to have John taken away with the news. All right. So, uh, just wanted to let everybody know that Headchime uh, over at the Infinity, sorry, Infinity Academy, he's also a big part of Infinity Global League, has uh, written an article in our Infinity Academy Intermediate Course Series, The Initiative Role, and it's all about what do you do at the start of an Infinity game? Do you go first? Do you go second? Do you choose deployment? Uh, and all of the decision-making and implications thereof. So rather than steal his thunder, uh, just go ahead and read the article. Uh, all I did was add pictures and copy-paste his text. So everything is written by him. He's done a fantastic job. Uh, yeah, go check it out. Um, it is now a new month, so also Happy New Year to all of you Lunar New Year celebrators out there. Uh, and it actually happens to coincide with uh, Mission 42 for Roman Academy. We've been doing this for 42 months, which is pretty cool. Holy cow. Uh, and in honor of the number 42, I decided to make it about the meaning of infinity, which is just to have fun and hang out with your friends. So literally all you have to do this month as the Roman Academy Challenge is get out there, have a game with your friends, TTS or in person if it's safe, right? Enjoy the company of the people you play this game with and let us know why you do this and like what what keeps bringing you back to the game. You don't have to get into in-depth analysis. You don't have to do, you know, like, oh, I chose this link team because of whatever. Just write in and share your love of the game and I'll post everything. And as always, uh, there'll be a drawing at the end. So that is that is it, right? Just a, just a, hey, we've been, you know, in, in this uh, global situation for a while, just to remind ourselves that uh, it's a game. We're going to have fun and treat ourselves right. That's very that. cool. That is that is the way to play, man. Yeah, right. Figure figure we'll we'll give people a break from all the difficult challenges. Okay, Fan is also back, uh, and he's not only helping write the RPG with Nick, uh, he is also contributing to articles on Lumbering Sprocket. The common fact, most of the articles are his, um, and he's written a new Caprice sublist overview, and you can find that at LumberingSprocket.com. He talks about the various Caprice sublists. Surprise, surprise. Given the title. Um, yeah, that's that's basically the deal. You, you want to learn all about Very that. Cool. Uh, of course, um, we've already had a couple of corrections come into the article. Both he and I are very busy. I'm sure we've missed a few things. So if you find anything, please let us know, and we will update it and fix it so it's tip-top. Um, yeah, Caprice I think... has been a long, tempting army. I'm glad you have it, and I've been able to convince yeah. myself that it is available so to you, me if you, I ever want you to. You don't have to. Yeah, you don't um, have to. Exactly. Especially with some of the stuff we're going to see later in this episode where it's like, I want to buy other armies too. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, so for late night wargaming news, all of the Patreon awards have shipped. People should already be receiving them. Um, so you can get your cool unauthorized bounty hunter, and if you haven't received it yet, it's on its way. Um, yeah, let's get into the news. I think I have a thing for that somewhere. Doing three things at once. Hey, or not news. The, whatever, the sponsor news. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Still news. Still news. All right. So go great. You're doing a good job. I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm trying. Um, all right, so uh, DreamPod 9 news, the RPG 4th edition open beta test is now live. We're going to talk about that a whole hell of a lot in our main feature, so we're going to skip over that for now. Yep. The Infinity N4 FAQ is out, the 1.2 FAQ. It's got some new cool things in there, clarified some stuff, and then also caused a whole lot of arguments and frustration over uh, Zero Viz Zone's 
which has already yep. then been eroded, or not zero-vis zones, with uh, template weapons, which has mm -hmm. already been said that they're going to go back through and change it. But we'll talk about this also in depth uh, next episode when we get Clint back on the air, so we can all get fact with Clint. Yes, exactly. <laughs> which I just really wanted to be able to say. Um, from War Cradle, they've got a bunch of new dystopian war releases for this month. We've got the... Yep, right? So this is the Crown Support Squadrons. These came in the uh, Victory Battle Fleet. Now they're available on their own. Cool little plastic subs. Um, mm -hmm. And, I mean, come on. Ship with a big old square gun. Yep. Who doesn't really been knocking it out of the park with this. Yeah, they have. Yeah. This is, this is the, the stuff that I think John's all excited about, though. Oh, yeah. This is the... the Metzger, right? <laughs> I think that's what they're called. It's the Imperium Hawkmeister Battle Fleet. And... It used to be called the Metzger Robot. <laughs> They're so freaking cool looking, man. They're awesome. Yeah. Um, definitely looking forward to playing that. You've got a bunch of your old uh, Prussians, right? I do, yeah. So we can totally get those on the table even quicker. They look. I love that they're just like wading through the water. Yeah. The, I don't know. I haven't looked at the new rules yet. I'll probably figure that out. But the, the Tesla claw that they've got is supposed to be able to grab ships and like pull them under, which is pretty cool. Yes. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that's still the case. Uh, but if, even if that's not the case, I'll still put these on the table because they look rad, and I want to punch your ship with my giant robot. Yeah, right? Like, steer me closer so I can hit them with my sword is literally what is happening yeah. here. Yep. Um, I mean, there looks like there's room for the Pacific Rim rocket elbow, too. So. Ooh, definitely. Maybe some sort of Tesla elbow. Um, that would also be great. Right. And then also for the Imperium is the Koenig Battle Fleet, which... Um, I believe is just the the regular frontline squadrons plus a, uh, a generator ship. Mm. So some cool support for the Imperium. On the Patreon side of things, we've got Dragon Ogres and Trolls from Forest Dragon that look freaking rad. I think he's actually almost done now with all of the Chaos Army. So once you get that 3D printer set up with your infinite spare time, you're gonna have here soon, John. Mm -hmm. um, exactly. We'll be able to uh, get a Chaos Army on the table. Yeah, I need to buy a heater so I can leave it running in the garage. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Good idea. Um, also on the Patreon side of things, Punga has announced their next team. It's going to be Savage Orcs, which is mm. really cool. So there was actually a Savage Orc team in the 2016 rules, which mm. was kind of like a lightly armored Orc team, but everybody had Frenzy. So somewhere between Orcs and oh. the, the current Corn team. Okay, that's pretty cool. Yeah. I don't know if they'll have uh, the the new 2020 rules. I'm sure that he'll have enough positionals that he could run them as corn or run them as orcs, you know. But it's kind of a fun take on the orcs. I love savage orcs. Neat. Yeah, so that wraps up our news. We've got hobby. It's hobby time! Oops. Oh, I thought I had Nick queued up. Ah, don't look. Go. Oh, holy cow. What was that? Okay, Nick. <laughs> yeah, I've been a little bit busy this last week or so. Um, yeah, gearing up I'll for Depticon, uh, which, by the oh, way, you know, right. if anybody's aware, DreamCon 9 is going to be at Depticon. Um, I'll be there running a sales booth. And I'm bringing this army out. That's awesome. So I need to get them all painted for Depticon. Yeah, you cranked out a South Army, man. Holy cow. Yeah, yeah. And still got a Drake, uh, one Black Mamba, an Asp, a couple Desert Vipers, a couple Iguanas to crank out still. Jim so it's Christmas. not done yet. Man, the rotor have... looks really nice, too. Yeah, that was a fun touch. That was a fun touch. Um, 
It's and a lot more durable than the regular, just loose helicopter yeah, blades. I imagine, I, yeah. I've, I've played enough Team Yankee and like various like Battlefront games that use those. Then, yeah, no, I don't trust the rotors. Did you have a uh, specific list or two in mind when you made this, or is it just grabbing a handful um, of representational models? It's just kind of whatever I thought. Look, I'm a completionist, so it's kind of eventually just going to be a one or two of everything. Sure, sure. Um, originally, it's either Mekong Dominion or Militia. Yep. Yep. Man. I love the Lloyd Long, Long Thing Naga's look. Oh, it's so cool. Yeah, really cool. Well, well done. Um, now let's see if I can get these in the correct order. So here we are. So the hobby I've been working on, I've been cranking out building a bunch of models because that's what I like to do when I'm sitting here bored in meetings and whatnot. Um, so I got a second pack of the iguanas because I really like iguanas. And mm -hmm. I made myself a second chatterbox and a second black box, which I think both are going to be really crucial uh, especially in 3.1 and then i built myself two lidded iguanas so lidded iguanas are currently like a crazy ecm iguana but that is likely uh, going to change because the lore of the lore of them is that they have no ecm that is their downfall but instead they are loaded up for stealth and target designation uh, which i thought was kind of a fun unique role to have something with like ridiculously long range uh, target designator, but also stealth. So it's like you really gonna be hard to stop the uh, the fire missions from them. Um, if you go f to the what is it, the old South uh, Force Compendium, the mm. the design for them actually has them with the same stealth like padded footing that the Snake Eyes have. So I went ahead and blobbed some green stuff on there. It looks, I mean, everything looks terrible when you blow it up this big, but I think it looks good in person. Uh, it should paint up pretty nicely. Yeah. Yeah. And then in the uh, lower right there, I got a pair of anolis. So anolis are funny because the model comes with what used to be a very light auto cannon, which was sculpted by taking a light rifle and just cutting it down a tiny bit. Mm. So I replaced those with proper light rifles since they have light rifles and. One of my favorite designs of the original Anoli was that it had dual upright rocket packs, which they were both like LRP-8s, right? So they looked like big rocket packs, but they didn't have very much ammo in each one. Um, and then when they refit them, they turned them into LR to a single LRP-16. But I like the aesthetic of the old one better, so I just went ahead and made mine look like the old one. Because the it looks cool. Um, yeah. And then I also built a few more things. Um, so the top row, I went ahead and built a bunch of Vipers. I've got my two Water Vipers and then two Desert Vipers with the uh, medium grenade launchers, which the whole line of Viper models is just so cool looking. I don't know why. It's the tiny head and the, maybe it's the tiny head and the giant, like, chungus rest of them. Um, <laughs> yeah. But it, it, it works for me. Uh, and then I went ahead and built both the Hydra and the Sagittarius. And the Sagittarius, I used some of my Kota Bikua, whatever you pronounce it. Um, these cool sprues of bits that I get from Gundams. Um, so here, Koto, Koto Bukaya. Um, and they had two bits that were the exact same diameter as my magnets. So I was able to use those uh, in between the rocket packs and the mounting to hide a magnet inside and be able to magnetize the rocket packs to swap out for the uh, particle accelerator slash pulse laser. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, so it worked Very out nice. worked out perfectly to uh, hide those magnets and give them a secure place to be. And also, 
the uh, the rockets normally stick out anyways, so it doesn't change the silhouette at all, and it gives mm -hmm. a little nice bushing for the medium rocket packs to magnetize onto. Mm -hmm. um, Very nice. Yeah, and then I built the Hydra, which is just such a gorgeous model. Hydra's um, so cool. Yeah, I've been having a lot of fun with building my south. Um, I'm looking forward to being able to paint them soon. <clears throat> so, holy cow, that was uh, that was fast and a lot. John, you hobby. No, that's right. Uh, I did a lot of IT stuff at home. Uh -huh. I I decided that's 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 I, a hobby, I guess, more like a, a job that I don't get paid for at every job <laughs> I've ever worked. Um, but I I have been working on uh, improve. Like I had an edge router light, and I decided to upgrade. And I was like, do I get a custom box? and put PF sense on it and like roll my own firewall. And I was like, I've done that before, I can do it. I don't want to manage it. So I went and bought a firewall of gold and I'm pretty happy with it. So, um, so far, so good. Very nice. That's my hobby. That's your hobby. <laughs> All right, well, I believe that is, that means it is time for Mythic Game Sponsorship, chip, chip, chip. This is where we, uh, you know, every week we like to thank you for their sponsorship. And also like to thank everyone for listening by giving them a chance to win $10 in credit to moe-games.com. All you have to do for your chance to win is uh, type in the magic word that I'm going to make Nick come up with right now and tell everyone to enter. I thought about this. Oh. We're showing off Eden today, so the magic word will be Eden. Okay, hold on just a second. Let me do the thing. All right, so I think I did the buttons right. Yeah, go ahead and everyone type in the word Eden into chat and so Eden as an E D E N Garden of Eden. Oh, there we go, perfect, and you'll have a chance to win. There we go, yay! PJ, PJ nailed it. Yeah, right. <laughs> I I did it right, John. You'll be so proud of me. Um. So, all right, in three, two, one. Here, I guess I will be pushing the button if I didn't. You will be. If I didn't do this wrong, I saw some names pop up. Boom! There we go, Obadiah. All right. Thank you guys so much. Novi, I'll go ahead and send your information over to Ruben. And of course, thank you, Ruben and Mythic Games for your ongoing support and uh, selling cool stuff. Whew. Okay, now where's my script? Where's my script? Okay, that means I push this button. It's time for our main feature. All right. Yay, cool. So this week... We have uh, we're, we've got some really cool stuff. Before we dig really deep into the role playing game, though, um, I realized I should have used the other screen. Hey, how about this one? Before we dig really deep into the role playing game, we've got a really cool preview of Eden for Heavy Gear Blitz to show you guys. So, hope you're excited and uh, let's let's get this started. Buckle up! Holy so, cow! Yeah, yeah. Boom. All right, uh, so a bit of background, if I may. Yeah. All right, so um, Eden is in production. All the concept art's finished. Uh, this top guy's actually up in, uh, in um, actually getting sculpted right now. He's pretty much done. And we've sh DreamPod 9 has shown off the art for four things. We're going to talk stats for them today and show yeah. off two brand new ones. So right off the top, we have the centaur, which he hovers, he floats. So the centaur is honestly, of the designs I've seen, it, I don't think it's anyone's favorite but my own. I absolutely love the centaur design. But you mm -hmm. also like chorps. Dude, chaos <laughs> orbs, big hats for life, so, man. 
Funny story. I saw the 3D print of um, this thing, the the render, and yeah. it's on. A, it, there, there's a little flight stand that it's on, and it's it's on the 25 mil base. It's smaller than the Plastic Hunter. It's shorter oh. than that. Sure, that makes sense. Well, so let's talk about its stats, right? It's it's an eight point model. It's your G, It's a GP gear. Its profile is kind of what you expect out of something like a, a Shasor, right? Mm-hmm. So it's going to be a hover eight, so it's fast like a Shasor. Armor six. Three three, um, you know the the gunning gunnery and piloting of four, EW six up. So it's like it's a very standard line gear, um, mm-hmm. profile there. But it's rocking a medium model cannon. So that's fun yes, right it is. That, right. So your hunters with a Mac, boom, plus one damage. That kind of makes up the uh, the lower hull structure. You've got a uh, light viper blade with reach, which is relevant because it also has brawl. So mm-hmm. it can it can fight pretty well. And instead of a rocket pack, what I think you'll notice with a lot of the Eden gears is that they're rolling with uh, light grenade launchers instead. Yeah, you're going to see a lot of grenade launchers. You're going to see um, this guy has a jetpack, mm-hmm. which is always yeah. nice. Um, you're also going to see that melee weapon tendency a lot with Eden. Um, a lot of this stuff's going to have a slightly up up to melee weapon in comparison to like a hunter or something like that sure sure they, they kind of want to get in there and, and punch it's a little fragile for that but it also hits like a truck yeah um we've likened this thing in testing to like it's cavalry basically yep, yep. And you can imagine three or four of these things running at a decent speed they've got weapons range weapons to contribute but eden's not going to be the sit back and blow you away faction not by a long shot yeah. they're kind of going to be a little bit more unique in that case where they you know, they want to close that gap which you almost got a hint of with the the previous Eden rules, where it's like you get a bunch of golems, uh, but you can like give them all like viber lances and just log them at the enemy. You can give them you all give... viber lances. Yeah. yeah. You Sorry. can give this thing a viber lance. You can. Yeah. So that joust upgrade, which all of them have access to, swaps their reach one viber blade for a reach two medium spike gun uh, with an extra point of brawl. So that's pretty rad. That's really cool. <sighs> Um, it's also worth noting the other variants are a frag cannon, a rifle, and a bazooka. Yep, all medium. So pretty pretty so, decent spread. Yeah, a medium rifle is a... I really like medium rifles. Um, so that's solid. An eight-move hover medium bazooka with jetpack. I mean, jetpack six is also a sizable amount of jetpack. So I can get you up on top of something high and get yep. shooting them on gunnery three up. Yeah, and that actually, uh, if I may, uh, just a quick tangent here. Um, one of the things I saw when Eden was starting to get previewed, there were some concerns about, oh, is this power? Is this deleting the old models, and now we're going to have to buy all these new ones because the old ones are irrelevant? If you look at this guy compared to a constable, just the baseline golem, it's kind of a trade-off. The baseline golem's cheaper and comes with a rocket pack, but this guy's a little bit faster with hover movement. Yeah, I mean, it's you, a trade-off. Like you pay for it with a centaur, right? So it's it's eight points, which is mm-hmm. you know thirty-three percent more than a hunter. Yeah, it's also not unlimited GP. Yep, just um, as that, yeah. Yeah, again, because we don't want to make the constable irrelevant. Sure, and it it does fill a different role, I think, than the constable. Uh, it does, yeah. And, it, and it's not really it's not tougher than the constable, right? So you're what you're really you're just paying for offense. Mm-hmm. on that um so yeah centaur really cool i'm actually i'm really excited to get some I just love it's a really cool it turned out really well i'm looking forward to getting um, the, uh, the model in hand yeah this yeah. wasn't the first piece of concept art i think this was the second one concepted yeah uh next next guy down is the number it was oh, first concept 
Mm-hmm. The Griffin. Yeah. So this guy was the uh his outline was in the in the in the rule book. Um kind of tease or in the force compendium teasing he existed. He was revealed. Say hello to the Griffin. Um it is a VTOL. So just going through the stats here. Um base guy starts at 12 points, strike and fire sport, unlimited and strike in his base variant. Yeah. Walker hover 10. Yeah, which so is pretty it's good. Fast as hell. Yeah. Armor seven, hull structure three, three, one action. Okay, so a little bit better armor. Uh, gunnery four, piloting three, EW six. So, so it's, it's not quite Jaguar stats. Yeah, so it's, it's like a it's like a Jaguar. You're going to be trading your your point of gunnery for extra maneuverability. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, where it gets cool is the loadout. Uh, so comes with a anti-air medium auto cannon. That's yep. the little thing on the arm. Uh, medium fiber blade because it has claws. And the thing that's back is a linked light grenade launcher. Yeah, the linked LGL that's is really, cool. really fun. It is. Um, and then standard battery, if it's got hands, okay, cool. Agile, because this is a flyer. Yeah, it's... Airdroppable mm-hmm. with Brawl 1. Yeah, it's a really solid, I, I call tend to call like Jaguars like the, the, the mid-weight strike gears, mid mm-hmm. to light. Um, the, the Griffin here is really interesting too. So this is like a a uh, ECM or electronic warfare or slash command um, variant that you're losing that linked like an aid launcher, but you're stacking on your ECM ECCM comm setup and sensor. So it's yeah. a lot like a like a Thunder Secom Jag. Yeah. Which is like my um, favorite commander Jag. Yeah, Thunder Secom is good. Um, yeah, it doesn't have the joust upgrade like somebody mentioned, but. All of the Eden models, um, the sublists are in some debate there, but you might see something in the sublist that'll help that. Yeah, and you know it doesn't have the the joust upgrade, but it has a medium vibroblade and piloting three up with brawl. Yeah, I think that's fine, right? This guy likes to hang out in the midfield, provide ECM to its buddies. Anything gets close, you just zoom twenty inches up to its rear arc. Yeah, and gut it. Yeah, it's a really interesting position. I I really do like how. Eden leverages those grenade launchers instead of rocket launchers. It's kind of a unique twist on them. Yeah. Yeah. And the, and the interesting thing is, right, to deal with a blast from the grenade launcher from a VTOL. Yeah. That's pretty cool, it's too. Just... Yeah. I mean, VTOL is risky as hell, but. Sure. But you can, uh, when you can deliver it, it's going to be nasty. You can pair them together and provide ECM, right? So yep. Yeah. Um, this is also one of those models that when we see the rest of the faction. Mm hmm. This guy gets really cool. Agreed. So, well, it's not rest of. I was say, speaking of rest of the faction, that we're not going that far. No, yeah, we got four more things. So yeah, who's next? We got a few I things. Believe. Let's let's talk about the doppel. So let's talk about the doppel. Yeah, these next and you're two guys. You're the guy below it. It's okay. Yeah, I was say these next two guys are kind of more similar to the apes. They're bigger. Yeah. But yeah. Okay. So, if I may. Yeah, of course. Uh, so doppel. Um, so visually, the doppel looks a lot like the constables. If you look at the light design and all of that, you can see very much this came from the old um, uh, golem designs. 12 points, uh, strike and fire support guy. Unlimited and strike in the base variant. Um, pretty typical Jaguar stats. Yeah, right. You've got seven, armor seven, hull structure three, three, gunnery piloting three, EW5. This is that strike gear equivalent. Yeah. All of them have a light rotary cannon. That's and a medium fiber blade with each one. What swaps out on the variants is that shoulder gun. It starts as a medium grenade launcher, and you've got a rocket and anti-tank missile version. Okay, cool. So they all keep the LRC. They all keep the LRC. And then the traits, um, 
if you think about what a, a Jaguar has, you're going to see a lot of things here. Hands, airdrop, brawl one, shield, and a jetpack. It is not agile. It's not agile. So you're, you're kind of... Which is a very big deal. Yeah. And that's yes. kind of an interesting distinction, I feel like, I mean, from the Terra, you know, coming from the perspective of the Terra Nova factions, right? Where it's like all of the, the Jaguars, the Cuirassiers, the Mambas, they all fit that same mold. So this kind of breaks that mold. Yep. But you do have added survivability instead of through Agile from the shield. From the shield. Mm -hmm. And then um, upgrades-wise, so we talked about the variants. Oh, real quick, we've got a question from VF Nova. Are they going to count as golems for acquisitions in Caprice Security yes. sublist? Yes. There you yes. go. Golems. So golem, frame, and armiger are just terms yep. that we use to for faction-specific gears. Um, yeah, the, these these are in the same as the constables. Very cool. So yeah. these are playable. If you have access to Eden allies, all of these guys can come join the party. Uh, yes, we mentioned the halberd upgrade on this guy. Medium reach one vibroblade is enough. Let's go brawl two with a heavy reach two vibroblade. That's choppy. Just yeah. <laughs> That's choppy. Holy cow. On, yes, on an airdrop move seven model. So it could with jetpack eight. Yeah, with jetpack eight's the big one. Now, an interesting note here is there's some there's some jank around the jetpack no ground movement type. So oh, there's right. some there's some movement interactions you kind of got to be a little wary of. Um, what it does mean is that when they are jetpacking, they're not stopping to do actions; they're making the whole move. Yeah. So you, there's some really weird positioning games you can play with them. Mm -hmm. Just because of how the jetpack interaction works. Yeah, you you don't want to be in a straight line from these guys in the open. Mm -hmm. Or no. if you're just like, I'm seven and a half, in, or you know, I'm, you know, five inches away from you. You can't jetpack to me, and maybe something's in the way. Sure. It's a problem. Are you trying to leverage that a bit? Yeah, they have. To, they might overshoot you. Um, I, in, t in a number of testing games, I saw it just overshoot the target, and then have to like jump and then walk back in at top speed. Huh. Um. So we got the upgrades. We've got the the halberd, which sounds brutal. Then the high door, which swaps the jetpack for sub. Uh, and it, but the, the interesting thing here is it actually brings you down a point. It brings you down a point. Um, sub is one of those abilities that is not especially useful. Like uh, uh, it, Water is probably the least common terrain type we see on sure. the battlefield of heavy gear. Um, it's cool. It's also one of those things that's very narrative-focused. Um, the Edenites used a lot of their golems that they built in-house originally as like underwater construction machines. And we'll see it a lot with this next guy. Yeah. Um, well, but that's an they, interesting upgrade, though, right? Because you could leverage it yeah. really on that sacred doppel, and now you've got a 10-point doppel to start with, throw a halberd on there for 11. Pretty efficient. That's a pretty efficient model. Yeah, just coming out of the water, chopping people's legs. Yeah, yeah right? that's pretty good. And then, of course, this has a command upgrade. Yeah. Um, its command upgrade does come with an ECCM. Cool. So, excellent commander. Third dice. Yeah. All right. Uh, next up. Yeah, we got the so Warlock. So this is brand new. This has not been shown yet. This is new guy. Um, this is personally my favorite skull, my favorite of the set. Say hello to the Warlock, Eden's EW gear. So Warlock starts off at eight points. So this guy's really cheap. Yep. Uh, Recon fire support, block six. Armor six is a bit heavy for the uh, EW guys. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. All structure three three, gunnery four, piloting three, EW four. Uh, grenade there. Uh, light submachine gun with anti personnel grenade launcher, and a reach one haywire combat weapon. That's so cool. So it is what the... that is is it's a stack. 
Oh. So he's got this little staff that he could do it just bonk you with haywire. I was going to ask if the whips were back from really old heavy gear. Not a whip. It, it's a staff. Okay. So, it, it, so one of the things we were talking about the visuals with this is um, we pushed really hard for that little kind of radome hat. Yep, yep. So you imagine this guy with a staff. He kind of looks like Gandalf if you put a cloak sure. on. Yep. Um, other weapons, got a light hand grenade. Woo. Not a notable weapon suite, um, but somebody noted on there, air droppable yep. with a jetpack. Okay, cool. Comms, sensors 24, and ECM plus stock on an eight-point model. Very nice. Yep. Now, I do want to point out here, because um, this is probably the, the, my favorite example for why this, this isn't really power creep. Um, you can get an eight-point <laughs> ECM out of a baseline constable. Right, right. Who has a rocket pack. He's yeah. got other stuff in there. Totally. So it, it's it's still a debate. The other thing um, is that ECM looks really good. But remember, this is not a faction that's going to stand back and shoot. They're very aggro-focused. So a lot of times the answer to Eden is like, well, I can't shoot you. I'm going to countercharge. Right. And this guy, you'll notice he doesn't have Agile. He's going, oh, crap. Yeah, he's not Agile. He doesn't have uh, extra points of brawl. Piloting three yeah. up, but um, so delivering that haywire hit might be a little challenging. And he doesn't have really the speed that you like oftentimes on recon gears, especially your ECM gears, to get them out of harm's way. Especially look at what he's rolling with. He's going to roll with doppels. Yeah. Doppels are outspeeding yeah. this guy. Yeah. Um, unless they're all jetpacking. And he does have is... the, uh, the, the submachine gun anti-personnel grenade launcher that you see on a lot of mm -hmm. the, the apes and golems currently. Yeah. I mean, submachine gun is also pretty decent at short range. Yeah, true. So. And honestly, you'll be using that action to ECM stuff anyway, so mm -hmm. in most mm -hmm. cases, it's fine. Mm -hmm. um, so on the variants here, um, so all the variants, you'll notice they swap out pretty key parts of this. Oh, that's another thing. No ECCM on this guy base. Yeah. But he's probably not going to hack you. Interesting. So the, the Adept is a little bit better defensive because you're rocking that ECM+. plus. Mm -hmm. The Void comes with the ECCM sensors and an ECM. So he's kind of the hacker bot. Gotcha. But you'll notice he doesn't have ECM+. plus. Gotcha. So, so there's some trade-offs mm here. Yeah, there's some trade-offs here. The war, the seer is your TD guy. So sensors 36 with a TD and comms. Yeah. No ECM, no ECCM. And a rifle. And a rifle. Rifle good. Um, and then he's got the sub upgrade because he's. This is actually an underwater golem originally. Mm, they just okay. modified it. Said, oh, we could put electronic warfare in this and stick it on the ground. Oh yeah, Eden is a. There's a lot of water on Eden. Eden is a very water-heavy planet. So it makes sense. Um, so I've got a, we got a question from chat talking about overshooting. Uh, jetpack is move up to X, so you could stop short. Yeah. You just can't do an action in the middle of it. Yeah, you don't have to go all the way, but you can't stop and perform an action during the move. Yeah. Right. So if you wanted all eight inches of movement, like so you like, let's say somebody's four inches away from you. You don't want to. You don't want a top speed. You want to get the full eight inches of movement because you need to like secure an objective or something. But you also want to stab something on the way. You can't move forward jetpack, stab them, move forward jetpack Correct. in in a combat speed move. You can move four, stab them, and then top speed to finish out the last with another jetpack move or a walk, right? But uh, you you cannot. Yeah. Uh, you, you you can jetpack for less than your full movement jetpack value if you want. Right. So yeah, hopefully yeah. that clarifies. Yeah, so that's what I meant by overshooting. It's it's a case of they want to positionally be somewhere else, 
but they want to do an action somewhere else. Yeah. Normally, yeah. you can just do both. With the jetpack move, you can't. Yeah, it's a, you it's to, a position. You're going to end up where you do. One of the nice things, though, is that uh, Reach 2 lets you hit 2 and just bind you, effectively. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's kind of cool. Good thought. All right, ready for the for the, the big daddy? Ready for the big Let's daddy. And this is so this guy has been shown already. Yeah, I love the design for this guy. Oh, yeah, this it's really cool. That's so good. So say hello to the Animus. This is Eden's Fire Support Golem. It's the equivalent to, like, a grizzly. Yep. Um, it doesn't let you hit behind yourself so much. It's more of a spacing thing. Um, you can't attack behind you, but you can go oh, over, turn so around, sure. and yeah, yeah, somebody. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not saying you can't just like poke something behind yeah. you, but it, it means that you can go your full eight and still hit something that was six inches from your starting position. Mm-hmm. All right, so Animus. Um, he starts off at 15 points, strike and fire support. So, again, think like a grizzly. Uh, Walker, six. He's a bit faster than Gears in his class. Yeah, Normally they're like five. Five, yeah. Armor eight, health structure four two. Pretty standard there. Um, standard stats for something in this class: one action gunnery piloting for EW six. Comes stock with a heavy auto cannon, a heavy vibroblade with reach one. Oh, so good. Pretty good spread. So good. Um, his support weapons though are a medium guided mortar and a heavy machine gun. Uh, the machine gun, if you look at it, is kind of on his gut. Yeah, that's really cool. That's a really neat design. So it's kind of missing. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have like the amount of weaponry that you expect under Grizzly or a Cheetah or a Chevalier, but it trades it for uh, some heft. <laughs> it trades it for some heft and a little bit of speed. Um, what I found with this thing is it's actually more of a midboard bully. Because you're playing Eden, you're not really going to sit back and bombard something. Sure. This guy's very happy moving into the middle of the board. You don't want to get close to him because that Reach Fibro Blade is really going to mess you up. Yeah, and that guided mortar, you know, with a TD and everything, you, you can do some nice stuff with that. You can hit into somebody's deployment zone. You can hit the corners of the table. I love me a guided mortar. Yeah. But and then um, stat-wise, also he's got a jetpack, brawl one, and react plus. So the important thing here is that jetpack doesn't get him any additional distance. So if you're really using it for the maneuverability of being able to change, uh, like vertical positioning, uh, get up on top of things, the yeah, the brawl one. So he's up there with the uh, with the crusader except a little bit better in combat due to the heavy viral blade that it has versus the medium that a Crusader carries. But the Crusader... It's also quite expensive at 15 points to start with. Yeah, yeah. It's really interesting. It's actually really interesting to compare this to the Crusader, right? Because the Crusader has the extra linked medium rock attack, which is a great weapon. Um, mm-hmm. It's basically a heavy autocannon with burst and AP, or with uh, AE and AP. Um it's got a heavy machine gun to defend itself, which is kind of cute, especially that React Plus. You don't want this thing getting bogged down by infantry. No, I... The design looks so rad. I, yeah. This yeah. is another mod I'm looking forward to just seeing. This, mm-hmm. this is to me, is kind of what a 40k Imperial Knight was supposed to look like. Um, oh, sure. Like Yeah, I can kind of see that. Just stomping around. That, yeah, that medium kind of mortar gives it something to do uh, with its React Plus if it's not focusing mm-hmm. while it moves up to the midfield to be a bully. Like, this guy's going to be a jerk on midfield objectives for mm-hmm. the rules. So speaking of jerk stuff he can do, um, variance-wise, you have a heavy bazooka and a heavy frag cannon. Mm-hmm. So somebody One mentioned there... A few there, things with frag cannon, heavy frag cannon. Yeah, I want to mention something. Uh, somebody mentioned uh, Crusader piloting five up, this guy's piloting four up. You might want to check back when 3.1 comes out. 
Um, I'm not going to go too deep into it, but there's been a very, very large discussion around where certain things fall with certain stats. And the idea of Gears being piloting in Gunnery 5 is kind of an aberration now, as opposed to an expectation. Yeah. So its its stats will look a little bit more in line with what you expect from similar gears in three point one. There's um, yeah the little bit that I've seen is a little bit of a normalization of the rules. So you can mm-hmm. it'll speed up gameplay for sure too because you're like oh heavy gears are piloting th- you know heavy uh, vehicles are gonna be like really you know piloting six where you can expect gears to be around four. Um, I mean ba- basically what you're seeing uh, this is a preview of the coming normalization of stats. Yeah. 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 Now they they still have a distinct flavor to them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yes. just it's no longer in. You no longer have to look and say, "Well, is that guy piloting four or five? Yeah, they're going to default to four. They're going to be a five if something weird happens. There are still fives in the game. Um, I think the Razorback is still a five. Yeah, I think if I is. recall right. But regardless, that's that's getting a little. <laughs> Rooster's going to kill us if we tell everything. Um, <laughs> but. I, I, I know. but... Um, it won't look shocking in 3.1, is all we're saying. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah. And, and there's some other changes that you have to consider. This is with respect to 3.1. When Rooster's on next month, um, there's going to be some more 3.1 talk because some of the stuff he's showing desperately needs 3.1. Yeah, yeah. Can okay. we get some more difference between the Badlands, Python, and the Cobra? Yes, it's already been done. You're going to see it in like a month. Cool. So for upgrades, we've got a uh, an upgrade that I guess is just to the Spatha. To swap to Lincoln's heavy auto cannon, indeed. Right, which so is just, a, just a, the base guy can get a linked heavy auto cannon. Yeah, effectively a heavy uh, heavy rotary cannon. Yeah, really good gun, especially on a React Plus model. Yeah, of course, this thing can be a commander. Want it to be a commander? Not bad. Yeah, typical typical stuff. No, it's really cool. I, I again, I'm, all these models I'm looking forward to, but we all know the winner here. Well, we have one more. We're not finished yet. Well, I'm just talking Eden. Sorry. Get, no, get we still have one more Eden model. Oh, you're right. We do. Haha. Uh-huh. Yeah. Is it? Nope. Wrong one. He's not in the Eden section yet. That's right. Let Please me tell me you have it up. Why would I have it up? Why would I have Preferably it up? Preferably without oh. lying. Adam searching for that. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit about this thing. So one of the things that the um, we call them the invasion factions at CEF, Caprice, Eden, and Utopia have been lacking up until now. Benevolent an, invaders. Benevolent invaders. Yeah. Is the uh, they don't have a repair option. So Eden has offered the opportunity that this next guy we're going to look at actual model. Here we go. There's nothing to for see here. the invader factions. Da, 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 da. Say hello to the druid. So I love this guy. He's got this giant like crab diving claw. This is very much that diving machine. Yeah. That yeah. Has. I like the crash dummy uh, markers on the knees. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, they, they did a fantastic job it, with this. The, the winch on the chest is also really cool. So this is. This is their equivalent of well, what's below it, right? The valence. Yeah, like a valence or something like that. This is an engineering unit, but it's a universal model for CEF, Caprice, Utopia, and Eden. It's actually kind of a baller repair guy, though, right? It is. Like, yeah. Like comparing so it cool to the valence, where the valence is gunnery five up and piloting four up, this dude is gunnery four up and piloting three up. 
It's the same chassis as the Warlock. Yeah, exactly. It it is actually the same chassis as the Warlock in in the the fiction. So let's go through the hat. Yeah, so he's 9 TV, uh, general purpose strike and fire support. I'm not Mm going to say why, but you'll notice engineering is not on there. I'm not going to talk about that anymore today. For the rolls. Um, Walker 6, Armor 6, Hull Structure 3-3. It's the same core stats as the Warlock. The weapons are the cool stuff. So base guy comes with a heavy armor-piercing pistol. So he's just got a Desert Eagle. <laughs> and that Crab Claw is a demo for medium combat weapon. I mean, hold on a second. So yeah. heavy pistol is going to be like damage 8 precise armor-piercing, but short range, right? Yes. That's yes, hilarious. it's basically a Desert Eagle. Um, he's got shaped explosives. Okay, because solid. Because of course it's cool. an engineering right. gear. You're supposed it's to have engineering it. gear. Yeah, that's um, how you engineer things, right? Yep. Uh, Jetpack. Can confirm. Like he's got before. He's got brawl. He's got repair, and he's got hands. Because of course he does. Not bad. So it's an engineer that you really don't want to get close. Although a lot of the engineers have brawl. If you look yeah, at a lot of yeah. them. Um, but yeah, this guy can. Yeah. He's just gonna sit there and go no. Yeah, that's fun. Yeah, it, it fills the gap that the that the benevolent overlords uh, were missing. Yeah. Um, What's really interesting, though, is the variants are all cheaper. Yeah, well, Normally, variants get more expensive. All of his variants are cheaper. I think it's because heavy pistol or damage 8 plus precise is expensive. Yeah, the yeah. Uh, the, uh, the the Desert Eagle is pretty terrifying. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But medium bazooka, flamer, rocket pack variants. Yeah. Those are all solid. I like that flame. Mm-hmm. I like the look of that flamer um, for seven points. Roast, mm-hmm. roast some infantry. If that doesn't work, use your medium combat weapon with demo four to beat the building down that they're in. And then, of course, because this guy is actually submersible, you have the option to swap the jetpack for submersible and take yep. a point off. So you can get this guy down to six points if you want him. Pretty cheap. Not bad. Yeah, the fact that everything has jetpack is so cool. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's a really interestingly maneuverable army. Yeah, well, none of them have uh, multiple movement types if you look at them, except for the griffin. Oh, sure. All of them have had one movement type, either Just walker walk. or hover, in the case of the centaur. Yeah. So that that jetpack is kind of their pseudo backup secondary movement. Gotcha. That makes sense. And they're all all the jetpacks are ox too, so they they lose a lot of the maneuverability once they start degrading. Mm-hmm. Which they're that hard to hit because we've talked about two guys that had agile. Yeah. One. Yeah. Uh, just the griffin. Just the griffin. Yeah. Oh, very neat. Well, so that's what we've got for Eden. There's six models there that you can kind of really get a, a feel for how they're going to play. They're going to be quite different than uh, than other armies for sure. Certainly mm-hmm. different than other Terra Nova armies and definitely yeah. different for CEF. Um, and there are still six things yet to be revealed. Yeah. Uh, they will be revealed steadily over the month. I think there's going to be one more final reveal on the show next month. Yes. Um, which I just saw the final art for that thing, and oh, 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 oh so good. She's thick. <laughs> oh, 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 it's so um, good. But yeah, so so next month when we have Rooster on, we'll we'll spill some more beans about Eden. But in the meantime, you know, this is a really different take for. It's funny because it's it's an army that's going to feel at home in heavy gear, but it's a very different take for the Earth-based faction, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, like CEF has frames, but frames do feel very different than the gears. This is an army that's going to feel like a gear army, but it is the the Earth Invaders. It's going to be on the side of CEF. Um, it also likes melee. Yeah, some of those armies that's not afraid to come across you and start you know tangling it up. 
Yeah, that's a little terrifying, actually, uh, because of how not good in melee many things are. Yeah. So, really cool. Well, that's we not all, though. Just join, oh. just join the Earth, uh, yeah, the right? Earth uh, colony. Are we ready for the Come Peace de Resistance? Oh, yeah, the, the, the Peace River de Resistance? All right, uh... so I have a little bit of pontification on this thing. As foretold in a prophecy nine years ago, it's been so long, Pierce River players. It's finally happening. Ladies and gentlemen, a hyena. Oh, hyena. Oh, hyena. Well, hyena, hyena too. <laughs> Got to clarify that for a moment here. Yeah. And it's very interesting. I want to bring this guy up because this is a little bit of breaking the fourth wall and narrative. As we segue this into narrative and RPG. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Originally, the... Coyote, Hyena, Red Bull was the tank spread for Peace River. Coyote was meant to be the light tank. Hyena was the medium. Red Bull was the heavy. Well, Hyena never came out, and slowly the Coyote became the medium. I mean, the Coyote's huge. <laughs> well, the Coyote's huge. This yeah. thing's huge. Yeah. But when we went back to look at, okay, we're, we're trying to fill in what's been prom what, what was promised and hasn't happened yet, don't ask me on pylons right now. <laughs> um, but... We were looking at this thing, it's like, well, its original stat system didn't really work because it started to run over the coyote. Sure. So it was switched to be the hyena two. Um, the fluff justification is the original hyena factor got blown up when Peace River got hit by an antimatter bomb and they rebuilt it. Interesting. No, it's such a cool looking design. And so it here is. it is next to Spartan. Um which might not be a great comparison because Spartans are actually pretty gigantic, so it's a little hard to see the the, the mm -hmm. heft of it. But it's a really different design. Um, I like this direction a lot. Here we are next to the the big brother, the coyote. Yeah, mm -hmm. so you notice it's still pretty good size. Um, it's not utterly massive. It, it's actually a little bit bigger than the coyote if you look at the hull length. Sure, but it's, um, a, it's a narrower, less boxy hull. Right. It's a narrower, less boxy hull, so you can see where, like, okay, this could be argued to be a light to the Coyote's medium to the Red Bull's heavy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Um, do you have the stats? Yeah, yeah, let's get there. Well, I want to look at more pictures of it, though. So, yeah. So there it is, ground mode versus walking mode next to the Coyote. Oh, it's so, so cool. So good. It's so good. There's and nice um, you'll notice shot. that this is a 3D-printed STL, whereas everything up until now has been concept art. Yeah, that may be a harbinger of timeline. Ooh. But this this guy might be a little bit closer to uh, realization. I want it. My eastern son would like to buy several. Um, I, I plan to get multiple hy multiple hyenas. Roller mode. I think we all do. Okay, let's talk about this thing's stats. All right. So, dear hyena two, buckle up. So he's twenty threat value. Chunky tank Pricey. for a light tank. That's a lot. Pricey, yeah. Pricey, but let's see what you're getting here. Strike, fire, support rolls. Okay, cool. Standard for a tank. Walker ground movement of seven. Respectable for a light tank. Yeah. Armor eight. Hull structure four four. We're talking caprice mount level stuff here. Yep. Mm -hmm. One action. Gunnery piloting four. Ew six. And this is that distinction why it's a light tank is you can tell by action count. It's one action plus a bonus. Sure. Mm -hmm. In this case, if you look at our traits, as React Plus. Let's talk weapons here. Base variant has a linked medium laser cannon. On a turret. Ba -ba! Well, 
link that hits like a truck. Yeah, that, the, it really does. The link plus the stable means you're talking about four dice out the gate, five if you focus. Yes, and this, this is, is a disgustingly accurate. This thing. is not the rotary laser. That's the laser cannon we're talking about. Now, yeah. now you see why he's twenty points. Yeah, yeah. Um, medium machine gun advanced and auto, and I want to point out a cool thing here. Um, that advanced medium machine gun is actually a little Gatling laser. Oh, that's super cool! Right down there at the chin. Yeah, it's mm -hmm. got a little chin-mounted Gatling laser. Um, it has a guided AP2 medium rocket pack, so it can provide some fire support if you need it. Yep. Like combat weapon because it can just bonk somebody with the front lock, and then stable with React Plus. Gross. Delicious. What's not to love? Oh, by the way, you have a medium rotary laser variant too. Yeah, no, that rotary laser variant. So we were talking about five dice base with the uh, with the laser cannon. We're talking up to six. You get dice up to six with him. With the fusillade. On an advanced weapon. I mean, like. The fact that you can get, also get ECM Plus on this thing is just rude. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. So upgrades on for two points, you can give it EW4 and an ECM Plus. This is Gross. a very model. Now, the thing is, he's getting up to 22 points here. Which That's is a kind lot. of a big investment. The other thing is, he's only one action. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to combat group construction, that 20 points is a very high cost per action. So sure, you're sure. going to feel that somewhere else. Yeah, it's... You know, yeah. We were joking around. What does a combat group of hyenas look like? The answer was 82 points. <laughs> it's like, oh, oh, okay. I guess that's that. Okay. Right. And so uh, for, for people, again, the stats here actually won't look terribly surprising um, when people see other light tanks. You know, it, yeah. it, it is going to have a little bit higher piloting than you'd expect on a light tank. But um, otherwise... Like the action economy is very reminiscent of what light tanks are going to look like. Exactly. Things like Huns and Clems. Yeah. I, I've been mentioning on Discord that we had a need to describe a light, medium, and tank recently. This is why. Sure, sure. Because that... we need to describe what a light tank looks like action-wise yeah. when Coyote and Red Bull exist. So that gave us an excuse to come up with that dynamic. And if you actually read the fluff, the, the Clem and the Hun are light tanks. Yeah. So... Yeah. They're going to get in there. Now, they have distinct advantages over their strike com companions. You yeah. know, the fact that they have two extra hit points right off the bat and usually a little bit better armor. Sure. So, so also looking at this, the so that, that React Plus, it's interesting. It only has one action to React Plus, but it can actually use those extremely efficiently, mm -hmm. which is something that sometimes when you take other strike gears, you have a hard time efficiently using both. It just ends up that you're focusing all the time with that React Plus. But having a, a guided weapon, specifically a guided AP2 media rocket pack, is yeah. pretty yeah. nasty. So you could uh, not focus. You could just roll your five sad dice with the medium rosary laser. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> right? And uh, I do want to point out why it works that way. I mean, you'll notice with the Eden stuff, too. The Eden stuff was very efficient with its actions. Like, you can look at sure. it and say it, it, it's it's using its actions well. It's not loaded with a bunch of extra stuff. Um this and all of the Eden stuff have been designed since Rooster took over. Yeah. So this this wasn't, you know, backlog stuff we've been working with that has, you know, well, narratively it's supposed to have this, even though it would literally never use it. These have been a little bit more purpose designed. Yeah. It's a uh it's a really it's a brutal loadout. I the the single action is what's going to hold you back from spamming it, which is probably a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um if this had a if this had a second action, you might 
you might be more inclined to run two or three of them. Um, a second action makes a full combat group of them really easy. Yeah. So that makes sense to, to, to rain that down to one and stick with the React Plus. And like I said, it can use that React Plus really well. Gross. Uh, yeah, so one thing before we go off Hyena. Um, this is made by Peace River, who also fund the Black Talon program. Yeah. So the Black Talons had a nice discussion with Peace River Procurement. There is a dark version. Yeah, let's talk about uh, how much grosser you could get the hyena. Um, <laughs> it's not that much grosser. I disagree. Yeah. Airdrop is pretty rude. This, on, that, that, that's, on that chassis that's, with that that's weapons That's the part that really gets me. Yeah, um, so big changes here compared to the base one. It's 22 points base for a second action now. Yeah. Okay, that's a big deal. On an airdrop vet stealth model. Mm -hmm. Now, you will notice it did lose React Plus. Yeah, sure. I, I mean, it changed React Plus into a full action. Mm -hmm. yeah. Which, for it, I isn't as big of a deal for the ECM guy. It is. It's a big Fair. deal for the ECM guy. For the base hyena, eh, that, I love it, it. It's better. I love it. Well, but it's yeah. not leaps and bounds better. That, that's true. You're right. Because a lot of the times, you, like, you're not going to spend a full action just firing an, NRP, um, an MRP unguided. You yeah, know what I mean, like that's kind of a that's that is a not impressive weapon to spend a twenty-two point action on mm. or twenty point action on. So most of the time, you're using the MRP. You're going to be using it off a fire mission, and you're going to spend, yeah. or you're going to use the React Plus to focus the uh, the laser. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. so yeah, you're right. It, on on the base profile, swapping the React Plus to the extraction. The bigger thing here is that it gives you bl uh, black talon. Um, combat group efficiency, which is yeah. something yep. you desperately need. And uh, I do want to point out one thing before we go. Um, these are the testing stats for this. These are, we're pretty sure where it's going to end up. There might be some slight tweaks by the time this goes through public sure. beta. Sure. So there, there's some subject to change here. Um, I don't expect it to change that much. Um, at least none of the base hyena know that this guy, I don't know. I, I don't know when Rooster started this thing up or how long it's been sitting there. No, one of these but, will, will be in my Black Talons for sure. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. No reason not to. Um, yeah, I mean, you get an airdrop vet platform with this. It's it's really good. It's well, really, uh, really good. You know, it, as uh, I think John and I both know from even just playing a few games of Black Talons each, anything with um, stealth and ECM is rad. Yep. Like, that is super cool. Um, yeah, getting the ECM plus on a on a model just in general is great it's gonna it's a um a sort of a force multiplier it's gonna make people around it tougher and it's something that fits very well into the black talent niche like this is something that they really needed mm -hmm. if you look at what it does yeah because they didn't really have a good ecm platform before that could actually take a hit they had ravens uh -huh. yeah okay <laughs> Unless you want a really, really expensive dark coyote. <laughs> I was going to say cops and coyote. Um, but that's true. This is a tough ECM platform um, as opposed to the Raven, which is the please don't shoot me. I'm Kodiak cost of, of no armor. <laughs> I'm a Kodiak cost and I have the offensive power of a wet paper bag. Yeah. 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 But holy so, yeah. hell, I love, I love this. I will be getting them for both my my uh, Eastern Sun, which gets access to my Peace River allies, as well as the uh, Black Talons, of course. Mm -hmm. Oh, so cool. Mm -hmm. 
I guess that means I need at least two. <laughs> Possibly four. And it's also a little bit more of those energy weapons that Peace River kind of is supposed to do really well. Yep, but yep. conspicuously absent by their, their lack of presence. Yeah, no, the uh, the tiny rotary, is the advanced medium machine gun is a perfect way to represent that. Mm-hmm. It'll, it looks and feels like a um, like a tiny rotary laser. <laughs> Super cool. All right, well, that is our preview for Eden, which means we are on to talking about... <laughs> DOS role-playing game, 4th edition. Yay. RPG time. Hooray. Woo. All right. So we've been working on the RPG for a little while now. Uh, we actually started at the end of 2020. So it's been a, about a year and three months or so. And, yeah, um, we've just hit public beta. Um our rulebook is 211 pages by a word. I'm sorry. Uh, my screen is up here. This is going to be used for visual references here in a bit. Oh, yeah. Um, I do want to talk a little bit about some of the stuff before we go too deep into the RPG mechanics. Um, one of the big things, since we are just talking about the hyena and some storyline stuff, let's start with the RPG story. Um, right. We are advancing the timeline. The last time the timeline advanced was in 2011 with Perfect Storm. Okay, okay. It's been 11 years since the storyline wow. advance. Um, we aren't going super far. Um, what we're doing is we're going a couple of... In, uh, in, in heavy gear, the, the Terranovans used to cycle as a year instead of years because it's a different planet. So the last game time that we had was mid-1951. We're going to be picking up a couple of cycles after that. So tentatively, okay. like, late 1954. Oh, okay. So really, just a couple of years. Yeah, it's about a ye- about two years, real world. Yeah, um, or so. And to get us there, we're going to be revisiting a lot of the old factions and their and their plot points. Um, mm-hmm. One of the things that happened with a couple of books that did move the storyline forward is it was very focused on the battles, like this division moved here and attacked this core, and that's great. But there's a lot of missing pieces for the world building that went with that. And Heavy Gears always had a very crunchy world. You yes. know, you've got all these powers, you've got all these people, you've got all these players. We're revisiting those. Um, the RPG can't cover all of it, but we're going to be advancing the timeline, getting all the factions to, okay, here's where they are. Here's what their major concerns are. Here's who the major players are. How did half of the Southern Republic get occupied? Sure. You know, things like that. Um, the big kickoff for that is actually the arrival of the CEF's second wave, which is where all of these new Eden toys are going to be showing up narratively. So just after the events we have currently in the fluff, uh, the second wave is going to arrive. Some other stuff's going to happen, and that's going to cause a, a dynamic a sh- a shift in the war's dynamic. Um, the CEF becomes much more targeted, um, goes in very heavily on the Southern Hemisphere, and by the time we get to 1954, they have not been kicked off the planet yet, and they have reinforcements. There are a lot more dug in, and things haven't calmed down, but they're definitely not the chaos of the opening, the opening weeks of the invasion. Things are kind of starting to normalize a little bit. Um, it's that kind of like phony war in World War II, where 
you know, the, the Germans overran Poland and sat there on the French border just waiting for a little while. Mm-hmm. It's kind of the state. And it's where our storyline is going to be picking up going forward. So everybody's going to have their problems. We're going to have, you know, discussions on each faction in the book about, okay, here's what's going on in the North. Here's what's going on in the Northern Lights Confederacy specifically. Here's who the major players are, what they're doing and why, so that people can tell their own stories. So that's our storyline. Yeah. A lot, cool. lot of cool stuff in there. Um, yeah, yeah it's, nice, been... it's nice to sort of provide the scaffolding. These are the, the major concerns of each society. Let the let the game master do the thing. Yeah, yeah. this is an RPG. We want people to tell their own stories. We don't want them to feel restricted by our story. Well, the other nice thing is that it, it only progressed a couple of years in time. So, like, any of the stories that you might have played through previous editions of the role-playing game can still be relevant even in... Uh, if you want to continue on your campaign or add to a new campaign that references previous campaigns. Um, it also means you don't need to relearn the governor of every city-state. <laughs> you know? Yeah, like, yeah, like all, all of that existing content's still there. Like, we're, we're very heavily leaning on that back content. Okay, we don't have to explain to you what the major holidays in the Human Alliance are. Yeah. There's sure. already a book that does that. It's on DriveThruRPG. It's a scan. But it's a book on drive through RPG that you can acquire. So we're we're trying to very much pick up where we left off. Um, we have a few things that might need to have a discussion with the retcon hammer. Uh huh. Um, not a hundred, not hundred percent cool talking about that just yet. Nothing like super super major. Like we're not retconning events or anything like that. Just a couple little tweaks. Um, just to make life go a little bit easier and make things play out in a better way. Uh, a good example would be like. Um, the Southern Republic had a civil war leading up to the invasion, and it lasted like a week. When, if you read everything going into that, that should have been a much larger conflict. Yeah. Like, it really should have, when you look at the players and what they wanted and what they were trying to do. So there, there's some stuff around that. If you're familiar with the universe, so like this isn't a rewrite, this isn't a reset, this isn't a soft reset. We're just moving the timeline forward. Um, so we're trying to pick up with the fact that there's been four different writing staffs in the last 15 years. Right. Um, Rolando in chat asks if you're planning on any adventure, any new adventures or campaign arcs or have anything like that in mind. Yes. Ooh. In fact, the first one should be going up fairly soon on the on the uh, beta forum. Um, it's a it's a simple one shot, nothing too fancy. But it's the first one we've got on there. It's also a little bit overboard. It's kind of meant to be that. We need to do a one-shot to cover the, the RPG. So maybe we're at a show or something like that. This is the one-shot we would be running. Mm, I see. Sure. It's, it's a very open-ended, contained story. Very so, cool. yeah. Lots of storyline stuff. Um, we're, we're trying to... And this is... We start transitioning into, into the rules here. We very much try to emphasize narrative and storytelling and characters in the RPG. Um, I don't know how familiar you gentlemen are with like a D and D or a Pathfinder or even sure. some of the crunchier RPGs like uh, Band of Blades, Lancer, any of that? No, uh, nope. <laughs> nope. I mean, I've, I mean D and D for sure. Yeah, D and D. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So D and D is a very uh, math crunchy system. Yes. 
Um, a lot of stats, a lot of moving parts, and that's very much where we picked up with our project. Um, our marching orders were start with second edition and go. Um, the only requirements were we had to morph the combat system into Blitz mm -hmm, and okay. update the dice mechanics. But at its core, start with second edition. So if you're familiar with second edition of the RPG, it's going to play very similar to that. Okay. You can see the DNA. Um, we did have a bit of an epiphany that let us go further than that. So it is very much a new edition, not a 2.5. And probably the best example of what that looks like and what I mean by that is this wonderful picture I've got over here. This fine lady, um, if you don't mind sharing yep. the uh, screen, this lady, for those of you who have never met her, is Miranda Petit. Um, she is a character from the very first campaign supplement put out called Jungle Drums. And since her debut in here, she's kind of the closest thing the IP has to a mascot character. She pops up in a few places. Yep. She's not aggressively in your face, but you see her pop up in a few places. And this is her original first edition stat block. Okay. And if we look at this, um, at the top, just under her name, we attributes. There are fifteen attributes. Too many Christmas. Yes. Um, think of how many D and D has. D and D has what? Seven. Yeah. Six. Holy Six. Cow. There's fifteen here. Well, we've got. Well, I mean, we have to have her agility, appearance, build, creativity, fitness. I forgot what influence. Influence, knowledge, knowledge perception, psychology, psychology or yeah. psyche, psyche, will, will strength. strength, health, stamina, unarmed damage, and armed damage. Uh, I was like, I knew all of those last two. Yeah. And then you've got her skill list below it. Giant chunk of text. And what is actually not here is there's an entire second page of this. Holy and that cow. entire second page is who she is and what her relationships with her people are. So in order to talk to this person, you know, imagine you're sitting at a bar trying to talk to this person. They need two pages of information to convey that. Mm -hmm. Because the stats are very physical, and then you get the rest of it describing how she acts. Because if you look at the stat block, it tells you nothing. She has right. an agility of three and appearance of one. What in the heck does that mean? <laughs> if I if I'm the if I'm the DM if I'm the player trying to interact with this person what does that mean? The answer but, is nothing. I yeah. actually also really like creativity as a stat because that way I don't have to be a creative person. But I can. I just tell, roll and the GM tells me what to do. I, mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. I can I can tell the GM I'm like I I'm sure that while I might might not be creative, my character has a creativity of five, so uh, they're creative enough to come up with a solution to this problem. Mm -hmm. So it's actually covered in the new RPG. Like the new RPG covers all of this stuff, just does it differently. So let's uh, let's hop down here to page number two. Holy cow! This is Miranda's second edition character sheet. So you'll notice um, it got a lot smaller for the stats. It's all clumped in at the bottom right there, and you've got a lot more details about who she is, how she got where she is, um, how she would act in certain situations. Wait a second. So we were just looking at the first edition. So this was first edition. Oh, I see. Right. This is second edition. And it's it. still fifteen stats. It's still fifteen stats. None of that changed. <laughs> um, what it was it was a presentation change. Um, I would also like to point out here a few fun facts. If you actually look at her, she's retconned. 
Um, she's 22 cycles here. She's 24 here. Mm. Just point that out there. So if anybody's like, oh my God, you're retconning something, it's already in there. They, they've done it before. We're not doing anything crazy. <laughs> but did her height change? Uh, 1.65 meters to 5.4. I don't remember my conversion right off the head. I'm sure <laughs> I could do it. Okay. Um, what is funny, though, is if you actually look at her hair and eye color, that's changed. Her hair's blue now. Uh, she's presented with blue hair now and said, this says it's green. That's funny that they that they <laughs> even put that into the character sheet in general. Like, yeah, but okay, so continue. There's a lot of stuff here. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff here. It starts off with her history, what her profession is, um, her general attitude to things, how she reacts in certain situations. This adds in contacts, like, okay, these are people she knows. And that doesn't do anything necessarily mechanically, but it allows a DM to integrate that into the story. Um, really good DMs over long campaigns will integrate player stories into the larger narrative. You know, you, you, every character will have their own arc. This helps build that, but eh, it's not really a lot of information. Um, she's got perks and flaws. Um, they're really all just perks. There's not really any flaws listed. She's ambidextrous. She's a famous, uh, she was a duelist and Olympic gym, uh, gold medalist. She's paramilitary and has a security clearance. None of those are terribly bad things. And then you've got the giant stat block. Yep. Okay. Now, to translate the stat block, they then need all of these pages of explanation. So we've got all of the attributes. Um, 10 of them are actually quantified. The rest of them are derived. So things like strength, unarmed damage are all derived. You have the oh skill list. Yes, um, so there are 74 <laughs> skills on this skill list. And all of them have an associated attribute, a complexity, which tells you how much experience you need to level it up, and then an actual definition. And if you look at some of these, they're weird. Um, archery is a skill. It's critical. Archery is a skill. We are on a sci-fi world with giant robots, but archery got on the skill list. Are, are you telling me archery is not a skill? I'm saying it's a skill. <laughs> what I'm saying is it's interesting that if you're going to limit yourself to 74 skills, that's what got on there. <laughs> that made the top. <laughs> that made the cut. They're like, oh, that made the cut. We couldn't, um, it's also we couldn't funny do 73. Because, yeah, it also highlights some of the age here. Um, computer is just a skill. It's a yep. complex knowledge-based skill. I believe that. John's like a computer maybe four and a half, five. I'm computer two. <laughs> That's cool. Well, so here's the thing. It, it Computer one or two for us would be like computer four back then. It is, oh. Yeah. It's, time has gone on, yeah, right? you know. Yeah. The, in one of the older supplements where they talked about Caprice, the big cyberization that Capricians got was a chip in the back of their head that served as a debit card. Awesome. It didn't do anything else. Yeah, yeah. Which is kind of funny if you think about it. <laughs> well, there's, I mean, so many things have aged perfectly like that. Uh, my favorite is Johnny Mnemonic, where like <laughs> he he gives up like his childhood memories and it's in a chunk of his brain to store like a two gigabytes. Yeah, I'm pretty Worth sure it. my uh, my mouse has more memory than that. Yeah, right. Right. But yeah, yeah. So that's all in there. And all of this led to some wider discussions on our end. Like, do we need seventy four skills? When in reality, you know, there's 
there, there's some trends here. There, there's some relationships here. At one point, we had this down to 20, mm. which was a really attractive number. Yeah. Um, and then our come to Jesus moment happened, and we um, we swan dived off the deep end. And I, I excuse the really bad state this was in. This is a fillable PDF with no picture. Oh, this goodness. is Miranda's fourth edition stat block. Okay. Okay. Now, let's just walk through it, kind of highlight some of the difference here. Starting at the top, her name. Okay, cool. Her name is Miranda Petit. Genotype. Can you can you zoom in a bit? Uh, can I zoom in a bit? Hold on. Come on. Control plus. Or control mouse wheel. There oh, we go. Oh. Hey. There we go. So, Miranda Petit is genotype human. Um, heavy gear, heavy gear tries to play within the real world. You know, this is a, a world that's trying to be somewhat realistic. So we don't have classes, we don't have half elves, we don't have fantastical abilities. Um, we're trying to play within the scope of this being a, a real world scenario. You can't do some of the things that D and D characters pretend to be able to do. There is no barbarian rage for half damage. Mm -hmm. It doesn't quite work that way in the real world. You get shot, you get shot. Yep. Genotype is the closest thing we have to a race. And there are two options, human and grell. That's it. Um, grell characters are, are human characters are the default. They're very open-ended. Grell characters are more constrained, but they start off in a better place. So the grell starts off stronger, has less flexibility, and also, as time goes on, it's harder for them to learn new skills. Interesting. Mm. So there's a, a trade-off there. Because Grells are meant to be very mission-focused. Are you saying... You know, they don't learn new skills super easily. Are you saying I can't play a half-Grell Prime Knight? Like, where are those genotypes? Uh, that would be Nathani, oh. possibly. <laughs> uh, he's half-Grell. Um, Nathani's a character. He's half-Grell, half-Kureshi. Um, so no Prime Knight, but Sandrider. Um, he's actually was actually having a discussion with somebody on Discord. They didn't realize that Grell can have kids. There's actually three of them in the fluff. Two of them are test tube babies. One of them is actually natural. Three whole ones. Yeah, three whole ones. And one of them required a Grell, a defective Grell that is actually the wrong gender. Hmm. Ah. Um, for those of you who are not familiar with the fluff, Grells are templates. There's eight of them. And each template has a gender that it was designed for. And it's very rare, but it is possible for the other gender to pop up I and see. be viable and meet specs. So it took one of those to make a kit. Interesting. Sorry, tangent. Anyway, back to... Yeah. yeah. Um, age, national origin, and rank are mostly fluff things right now. Um, rank is one of those things that like we'd like to do more stuff with it in the future. Right now, it's just kind of a bookkeeping note. National origin and age are just your character's history. Where are you from, and how long have you been on this particular plane? Can I also start say off? That I, I'm I, sorry. I appreciate leaving gender as a fill-in instead of a drop-down. Yeah, it's just open. Hey. Yep. Uh, there, there's some serious debates around that. Like, girls don't really have that even functional identity stuff like that. So just sure. whatever. I'm just glad. I'm glad. Uh, it's a small. It's a small observation that uh, I appreciate. Heavy Gear has had, if you go back to the, the 90s, way back at the start, um, Heavy Gear kind of 
hand waves over a lot of our modern day social issues and says, all of those are done. We're going to create our own so they can tell their own story. Mm, sure. So a lot of that just, it, it was dealt with in the ice age. We're moving on. We're doing something yeah. different. We're going to make humans hate each other for some other reason. Yeah, right? There's all kinds yeah. of reasons to hate. There's endless, yes. endless reasons. Yes. Um, life path and description and context are more fluff things. These are things that are on your character sheet. You are expected to have them. They don't do anything mechanically, but what they provide you is, or what they provide the, the, the directors, what we call the GM, is something to latch onto to tell your own stories. I see. Um, let me give you an example. In one of the beta, closed beta campaigns, one guy wrote up how his character got in a drunken brawl with a pilot from another unit. Sure. That pilot from the other that unit just happened, this was completely coincidental, I had the story written out before I read that, happened to be from the same unit they were going to be fighting. So funny. So guess who popped up in the climactic final battle? Yeah, of course. So it lets you do those kind of things. They're things that you really want, but if you look at, like, Dungeons & Dragons, that's not necessarily part of character creation. You're expected to come up with it and convey it, but it's like, this is on the physical character sheet. Mm. Like, it's that important. We scroll down. Aptitudes, quirks, and adversities. So these replace the numerical stats, mostly. There's a thing below that. Okay. What it did, originally it started as us just trying to note extreme cases in stats, and what yeah. it morphed into is actually describing who this person is as a personality. This is a system that, what happens is when, when you make a roll, you lobby for what skill you're going to use. I'm going to shoot that. Okay, I'm gonna use my gunnery skill for whatever weapon I'm using. You can argue other skills. A good example is let's say you're trying to interrogate somebody. Maybe you have an intimidation skill. Maybe you have a persuasion skill. Maybe you have a I'm a sociopathic Southern Republic intelligence operator who's been doing this for 30 years. Let's get the rack and thumb screws. Mm -hmm. All of those are different applicable skills. So the game doesn't call for specific skill checks. It says you justify the skill you're using and how you're using it. Mm. Interesting. So and my, my best reference to that is actually kind of funny because it's like the way the old uh, uh, White Wolf live-action role-playing games functioned you'd you'd have so many physical traits and your physical traits are descriptive words and use sure. words to describe how you're performing a behavior or an action exactly yeah, this, this is kind of like one step beyond fate the role playing mm -hmm. system fate yeah it's, it's you... weird because there, there's you can you can see there's some similarities to other systems um we didn't copy them obviously um, what we had them also being in reference. But this started very much as a question we asked that said, look at that giant horrendous pile of numbers before. And I give total credit to the guys who wrote the system. That original RPG is fantastic. You're sitting at a bar with Miranda and talking to her. What's that like? Yeah. That step lock tells you nothing. Here, it read, aptitudes are an advantageous things. So the things that you're going to use to your advantage. Uh, In-game, what these do is you can use any of these three to add or subtract a die from a skill check. So let's say Miranda is um, 
trying to figure out how to um I didn't think about this. She's trying to come up with a plan for something. Well, she's short-sighted. She might impose that as a penalty on her role because she's not thinking ahead. Mm. It's encouraging you to mm-hmm. use those character personality traits to role-play the character. Yeah. Now, why would you take a penalty? Well, that's how you gain experience. No, again? Um, but that's how you gain experience. Why Why you would take the penalty? Oh, I see. You take the penalty to gain so, experience. So the aptitude is an always advantageous You use it. It's going to add a die to your roll once per turn. There's some conditions on it which it can reset. Quirks mm-hmm. can go either way. They can add a die or they can remove a die. And the adversity is always going to be a negative. It's going to take away a die. Only by performing skill checks where you've taken a penalty do you gain experience. You only gain experience through hardship and challenges. You know, this is the, well, I'm already really good at this, and I just keep doing it a million times for the experience. doesn't really work. Mm. If you think of it like uh, D&D or just RPG games in general and video games, it's it's the grinding against the low-level enemies. Yeah. Is that really helpful? Like, are you sure. going to get better for yeah. that? Yeah. This encourages you to actually put your character in situations that are not their comfort zone. Mm-hmm. That are actually use the downsides of them, and that's how you're going to grow. Um, the aptitudes, quirks, and adversities is not a set list. We provide a list of samples. I think there's 290 something entries on it. Holy mm. moly! Yeah, so um, that's, just, that's just a guidance. You it's just guidance. Yeah, oh, okay. and a lot of these could be argued in a number of different ways. Energetics not always a bad thing. So energy sure. can very easily be an aptitude. That's a good thing she learned about it. You have to yeah. chase you have to, down or to stay, to... stay up and, and yeah. solve uh, some complex problem, right? Do some research into some yeah. nefarious thing. But you could very easily also just put it under the aptitudes column. Sure. In game, that means it's never really going to come up as a downside. So because we didn't feel like certain works, we say certain personality types are good, just saying, mm. here's the example list, go. I like it. I like it. You know, some people view being really competitive as a bad thing. So they might put competitive as an adversity. The difference is, if it's in the adversity column, you can never use it to your advantage. Oh. Something that on this character's personality is dragging them down. Mm-hmm. I see. So, no, this, this is actually, no, I really like this kind of open-endedness feel to it you can be really descriptive of what your character is without trying to shoehorn that into so like what level of of charisma is that mm-hmm. you know yeah and, and the other thing is it, it's encouraging that role playing saying okay this is what i'm going to do my character is this go um for example one of the beta character i think it's one of the examples um references a they're trying to interrogate a captured prisoner. And one of them says, well, one of the characters says, okay, um, I have training in intelligence, specifically prying information out of people. And this person is just stone cold merciless. But they're one of those people that they walk in a room and they're mildly terrifying. Mm -hmm. That was put as a quirk for them, because that could be a good thing or a bad thing was the argument. You wanna scroll down a little bit, show the... uh... We haven't gotten oh, yeah. to that yet. Oh, just kind of highlighting them. Yep. But 
in that example, they say, okay, well, I'm going to use my skill in interrogation techniques with the quirk of being, you know, just this like stone cold merciless person to gain a bonus die to accomplish a task. Gotcha. That's a lot more role play than I roll for persuasion. Right. Right. You're trying to interrogate the person and using the fact that you're a stone cold merciless killer. That's a different narrative explanation now. This is really interesting. I like this a lot. It, like I, I mentioned earlier, it talks it's very similar to fate. So fate is the idea of like aspects and trouble. Mm-hmm. And there's like a fate point economy where the game master can give or take away fate points from you. And so aspects are like, you know, you can uh, maybe maybe your maybe one of your aspects of your character is like they're always armed, right? This is a good thing, mm-hmm. in most cases. Uh, so you you know when whenever whenever uh, you know you're like in a bar bar fight breaks out, you need like a set of brass knuckles or something. You're like I'm gonna spend a fate point and just like say that my character has brass knuckles right now because that's like a thing that their their deal is. You've taken that one step further and turned it into not just like an aspect of the character, uh, but tied it directly into the skill system, which is really cool. It's also probably worth noting dice mechanics right now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, we should talk about those too. This uses the the same dice system as Heavy Gear Blitz. You have either a opposed roll or an independent roll. In the case of an opposed roll, this is where two people are trying to resist each other. Hmm. So in that persuasion example, that would probably be some kind of opposed roll where somebody's trying to resist giving information, perhaps. Independent rolls are like, I'm going to throw this rock at that tree over there. The tree's not trying to not get hit. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's a pen roll. Opposed roles, you compare the two results to each other to determine success or failure. In a independent role, there's a set difficulty, which defaults to five, and okay. you compare versus. Depending on how much you succeed or fail by is in used to allow the DM to interpret the results. I see. So a margin of success of zero, say you hit your target, but you rolled exactly what they, what you needed to. Mm-hmm. Okay, you hit your target, nothing else. Uh, the example we use in the book is lock picking. Mm-hmm. So a character's picking a lock. It's an independent roll because there's not somebody trying to stop them from doing it. Mm-hmm. And they got a difficulty of five. If they roll a five, they exactly equal what they needed. Margin of success of zero. The the door opens. Cool. If they got a margin of success of one, maybe the door opened and it was really quiet and didn't alert any guards. Right. Sure. If it's margin of success, say, four, not only do they open the door, but the entire party is able to sneak through and shut it. Nobody's the wiser. So okay. better success. The explodes better and kills result. everyone inside. Well, it also ties into that narrative about describing what you're doing. Yeah. Because the more detailed the description you gave, which the system requires you to do, the better the DM is able to interpret the results. Mm -hmm. On the other side, let's say you failed. I failed by one. The game will still say, yeah, you unlocked the door, but you alerted the guard. Right. Or maybe, maybe the guard heard a noise and is coming to investigate. You failed by two, the guard definitely heard you. Once you start getting to like fail by through four is when this is when it failed with downsides. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you broke your lockpick set or broke your like lockpick set. Um, you set off the alarm system. Um, an example from a real campaign I did, 
guy was hacking into a system. He it was an independent role. He needed a seven, um, which mm-hmm. because it basically was a fortified police system. Mm-hmm. Failed the role, got a one, failed as much as possible. The entire system locked down and the alarm went off. Mm. That's about as dramatic as the results can sure. be. Sure. Aside from the console exploding in his face. Aside from the console exploding. Yeah. So um, so you're rolling D6 for this. Yeah, you're rolling D6. It works just like Blitz. You take your high die out. You're then going to look at the other dice and say, these meter exceed a certain number. If they do, mm. add one to the result for each one. How do you determine that number? Yeah, that so number? the number of dice you roll is one plus your skill level in the skill you're using. So if I have a skill of three, I will start with four dice. Okay. Okay. This can be added or modified by, you know, I add a die because I'm using an ability or I have an auto cannon with burst that adds a die. Mm-hmm. Then you're going to look at your equipment. And the equipment is going to affect the threshold number you need for the roll. So okay. Okay. in a gear, that would be like your fire control. The gear might have a fire control system that says improve your threshold number by one. Mm-hmm. Okay. By default, only sixes add. Oh, so threshold number is default six. But default if you have, six. If you have like a really nice set of lockpicks, you might get like a threshold of four. You might get a threshold of four that's, or even three. That's close to okay. how silhouette used to work back in the day, right? It is exactly how silhouette used yeah. to work back in the day. The difference here is I have a better fire control system. Instead of adding dice to the roll, it affects that threshold number instead. Right. That was always Got it. that was always like a frustrating thing of I, I don't even know if that was I last I played silhouette was in the nineties, right? So but it was like, yeah, you roll a bajillionty dice and didn't get any sixes. It didn't matter that I rolled a bajillionty mm. dice or I got one six, right? Because it only added after the first. Mm-hmm. Whereas here, um, allow me to hop over and bring up a example here. Looking this at is vehicles. cool because because it, it makes it makes your skill and like the quality of your gear two different axes in which you can optimize. Yeah. So look at the e sets here. So this is what a gear looks like in ERPG sets. The gunnery piloting and e deck skills aren't like four plus like blitz. It's mm. the mod to the threshold number for doing the thing. I see. So that would so, be you're looking for a five up on your threshold for gunnery. For the gunnery, yes. Now, it is Griffins different. are very maneuverable then. Yeah. So Griffin, you know, that would be a piloting a fort. Anytime you're trying to dodge or use the machine's movements, your skill is going to get a plus two to its threshold number. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty good. Because in the RPG, you tend to roll more dice, but with less modifier. Like um, in Blitz, you always start with two dice and then add or subtract based off weapon stats. Sure. In RPG, you might start with six. I'm gunnery five. I start with six dice. Um, a knock-on effect is that it also makes the um, the really good pilots still really good pilots, mm-hmm. even if they're in a bad machine. Like, mm-hmm. if you're a skill level five pilot, the machine's going to affect how consistent you are with those skills, they with can, that threshold number modification. They can make it work. Yeah, but they can still make it work. Um, we uh, we tested one where we took a skill five hunter versus a bunch of uh, uh, skill three uh, combat guys. 
be like um i think it was a it was three jaguars who had level three in all of the relevant years versus one guy and a hunter at level five and he just wiped the floor with them because mm. he's just a better pilot yeah yeah they so eventually brought him down but it was a lot closer than what that would have been in blitz sure so yeah Dyson well, that's Pace. cool yeah sorry we're a little bit all over the place here yeah, no, a lot, lot to talk about. I mean, you're right. talking about an entire RPG game system, right? And yeah. you, have, you have to take us through all the different eras and as to why the change. Like, there needs to be context, so it's good yeah. to see all the all the background. Mm -hmm. So perks and flaws are the last bit of character creation that isn't your skills. This is essentially a little bit of kind of immediate raw effect. So the like the aptitudes, adversities, and all of that only applied on certain skill roles, and there weren't a ton of them. Hmm. These apply to every role and have varying effects. So, for example, um, small is a perk or a flaw. These are listed. They are provided. These are set. I see. At level one, all of these are you either win or lose ties for certain skills. Hmm. So in this case, Miranda's small level one, if she's grappling somebody in a brawl and ties their role to, say, maybe not get knocked to the ground, she loses mm. because she's small. I see. Okay, okay. Um, they can go up to level, th uh, level three, potentially. Oh, wow. Mm, so, so that means if, if she wins with MOS three and she's small three, she just gets punted, right? So like, uh, not, not quite. So it's level one is lose ties for flaws. Okay. And then level two and level three do different things. I see. I see. So it's not always win ties. Sometimes it's roll an extra die, drop the lowest. Oh. Like that's level two for a perk. Mm. So level one is win ties. Level two is whenever you roll an appropriate skill, add a die and take out the lowest when you're done. Okay. Or for mm. a flaw, so it would be take out the highest. Or is that or yeah, and the flaws take out the highest. Yeah. That's rough. And I'm sorry. I think I said <laughs> they go to three. They only go to two. My apologies. Got it. I was like, man, what's three? Ugh. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, right. Um, Roll two I'm dice. Thinking, <laughs> I'm thinking it was coming here in a moment. I, I've been through so many versions of this role. Sure. But the, these are just more mechanical. They apply to every role. Um, and this is a case of that came back from alpha feedback. Like, these weren't there in the alpha. And people are like, eh, we wish we had something a little bit more hands-on every die roll. There they are. And then we get to the skills. Much smaller list. So the way skills work in the RPG, skills actually have two parts. They have a domain and then the actual skill itself. The domain is a statement of what the skill is trying to do. Examples include athletics, gunnery, awareness, piloting. A lot of those are pretty self-explanatory. Like gunnery is how well you hit things. Piloting is how well you can pilot vehicles. However, instead of stopping there, you then have to pick a specialization. Okay. So gunnery is not a skill. Gunnery heavy gear would be the skill. And that would mean this is your ability to shoot the gun on a heavy gear. Mm -hmm. Some accuracy. That's I see. So there's, there's another line there that says small arm. So that represents yes. when you're out of the gear with a pistol, how good yes. are you? So you notice she has two gunnery skills. One is heavy gear gunnery. One is small arms. Because I can shoot a pistol decently well. That doesn't mean I can fire a tank gun very well. Right. 
trying to reflect that. So those are the skills. Um, I mentioned at one point we're down to 20 skills. Those became the domains. Mm. So we, we, we pared down that massive skill list, made those the domains, mm. and then said the specializations, whatever you want. Makes sense. Again, it's those more open-ended things. So like pilot here, she has heavy gear piloting. This is her ability to pilot her gear. That's different than the skill set needed to pilot a boat. Right. So this reflects that. And then the level works one to five. Um, that's one plus the number of dice you roll. So at level one, you roll two dice. At level two, you roll three dice. At level zero, for a skill she doesn't have, she always rolls one dice. Mm, okay. And then if for some reason she takes a penalty on that one die, she actually rolls two and drops the highest. Okay. So that's why it's one plus the skill level. It's all the way down so you can have a penalized one die roll for an unskilled person. It kind of start at the bottom up and work its way out. Makes sense, makes sense. Now what's cool with domains is there is a bit of a class system here. As you level up skills in domains and add new skills within certain domains, if you hit a threshold, you will start getting bonuses. They're called special okay. domains. So she has four levels of gunnery. One, two, three, uh, four. If yep. she gets, I believe it's three more, she will get a bonus to all gunnery rolls. I see. So if you have total gunnery six, you get a you get a bonus. You'll get a bonus. Okay, so it's kind of like it, you might be really good at firing one gun, but once you've kind of like started learning how to fire all different kinds of weapons, you can kind of pick up something else and figure it out pretty quick. Yeah, like if you think about it, knowing one fighting style is really good. If you know three or four, you're much better with all of them. Sure, you can kind yeah, of sure. use the knowledge from all of them. Same thing with musicians. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so there are mechanical bonuses, and it gets all the way to the point like a passive plus one to the results. Because that, that stacks up depending on how many yeah. skill levels you put in there. Mm -hmm. That yeah. gets up to three really levels. Really good. Yeah. <laughs> so if you want to make a highly specialized character, this is your pseudo-class system. Sure. Like um, one of my, be my yeah. beta campaign that I run in person, we have one guy on there who has literally classed into showmanship, basically. <laughs> okay. His entire character story is he is a B-list actor from television. Excellent. And what the system, he, so he's a B-list actor who's a snob, who just has high expectations for everything. The, the joke is he's basically Hugh Hefner. Sure. <laughs> but if Hugh Hefner was on like those B-list sci-fi movies. Nice. Okay. The thing is, though, this system handles that, yep. rewards him for playing that character. That's not an annoying character who slows things down. He actually did more in one of their beta campaigns than any of the other ones. Mm. But he just, he specked into showmanship. He's really reliable on doing things around that showmanship ability. Um, one good example is they were at a site, a car bomb went off. Okay. And he goes and says, I see the nearest wounded person and I was totally on a medical drama. I'm going to use my acting skill to see if I can heal this guy and bandage his, his wounded leg. Hmm. Now, what the game does let you do is, as the GM, I'm allowed to impose penalties depending on how relevant that skill actually is. Sure. 
So he took a couple die penalty on that one. <laughs> yeah. But because he specced into showmanship essentially as a character, he ended up succeeding. Hmm. I paid really close attention to those method acting classes. But that's the yeah. thing. And, and this is the kind of narrative stuff that we were shooting for. Sure. Like, okay, this guy's literally on a B-list TV show and is recalling that one time he was half-heartedly listening to the set advisor. Right. Yeah, during, and, during the safety briefing. Yeah, he rolled really well, fantastically well, which is part of why this worked, but a completely irrelevant skill did something. I mean, but but honestly, right? Like this is this is uh, another strength of the of the system because you could have just said like, let's say in D and D, right? Uh, you show up, something horrible, you know, magical explosion, the like fireball goes off, your your party members bleeding out, you're the only one left alive, the cleric is down, you roll up, and the DM's like, all right, make an untrained medicine check, right? <laughs> the player. Like it, it, you, you know, you can impose a massive penalty, which is the same thing as not being skilled in D and D, right? Uh, and it, have it be your dump stat, um, but you can still nat twenty that, right? Yeah. Uh, and in this case, um, the player effectively nat twenty by rolling really well, yeah. but it was narratively tied into the way they constructed the character. So, like, not only did uh, the player have some affordance to be like, okay, I'm going to use this thing that I thought of. Uh, make it make sense narratively with my backstory, call up to mind some, like, you know, imaginary figment of the past. Like, oh, yeah, I listened to the safety briefing, and then, like, you know, the, the actual medical person who was advising the show said, just remember, put a tourniquet on it and, like, crank down real hard, and that will solve the problem. And he was like, oh, yeah. sure, I'm going to do the thing. And, and then uh, and then rolled like a boss, yeah. right? Um, but, you know, that's way more way more rewarding for, I think, for everybody, and easy easier for the GM, yeah. right? Than than just being like, I don't make a register. You are you not twenty? Um, you magic the great. You did it. Good job. Yeah, that's cool. That's pretty yeah. much what it's trying to do. There is it's it's really focusing that narrative. Very neat. Yeah, I yeah. feel like any time where you you rely people to be, I mean, it's a role playing game, right? So you're mm -hmm. you're basically forcing people to be, um, to role play, instead of just saying roll your stat. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And um, I want to point out one thing in here. Oh, you notice there's a tactics thing in here. So that's yes. an interesting domain that popped up, and it came through with what we were doing. It's how, in this case, the SIE, the uh, Southern Intelligence Unit, the Militia Special Forces, do combat operations. In game, what that often serves is, like, the players don't know how to do something, but their characters would. That's the sure. stat that's covering that. So in this case, um, this actually happened. They're like, we want to set up an ambush, but none of us are like tactical geniuses. We're, We're going to roll a tactics check to let Miranda go set this up with her special operations training. They rolled. I interpreted the result depending on how much they succeeded or failed by. And I set the ambush up for them. Said, okay, mm -hmm. here you are. In that case, they actually failed a little bit, so it was kind of a subpar ambush. Right. <laughs> um, but you can do other stuff with that, like um, stuff that fits in tactics would be like business management. Like we've all heard the stories or been in the D and D campaign, the one player who just wants to go off and run a bakery. Sure. 
do they actually understand the business operations of how to run a bakery? If the answer is no, there's your skill for it. Right, right. It's it it is the uh, my character is smarter at this than I am. So Indeed. let me do it. Stat. All right. Yeah. Almost done. Stats. Um, equipment's pretty much standard. What I want to talk about is what's right up here, and that is damage. Okay. So you'll notice nowhere on here was hit points. Yeah. Sure. So there's a, a running joke in hit point land that says the only hit point that matters is your last one. <laughs> yep. But yep. really, think about it. Yeah, it's true. You're playing D&D. I've got 50 hit points. I'm just as good at 50 as I am at 2. Yep. So we don't like that. We don't like that with the narrative system. So what we have is a system of shell shock and system shock. Hmm. So when you take damage, you will take, say, three damage. That becomes 3d6 worth of penalties described as narrative effects. Hmm. So let's say I shoot your gear, I do three damage to it. I might say the narrative effect is your gear's arm just took a massive cannon shot for a penalty of minus 3d6. Anytime you're going to use that arm, you're going to take a minus 3d6 penalty to whatever you're doing. Mm. Mm. You can also split this up. Uh, I hit the arm, hit the leg. Well, maybe yeah. each of them is only taking a 1d6 penalty. Um, okay. System shock is that for people. Like, I shot you in the arm, you're bleeding, you're blinded. Shell shock is that, but for their mentality. Mm. Like, you're... Uh, okay, one of the characters, one of the beta campaigns developed PTSD. Sure. Okay. By watching some terrible things happen. That became a penalty of PTSD minus 2d6. Anytime certain narrative situations came up around that, the PTSD kicked in and they took a penalty on doing things. Gotcha. So okay. that's shell shock. It's more of a mental thing. And then there's system shock. So they're kind of hit points because if you take a 46 penalty or total of 46 penalties in either one, yep. you're out of the encounter. I mm. see. Okay. But instead of just tracking numbers, they all have effects to them. Wow. Okay. So I guess death threshold is 2D is um, twice that number. So eight. Eight. Okay. So if you, if you get hit with three damage in a gear, the fourth one will drop the gear, even if you only got shot in the arm. Well, so gears have a hull integrity stat. Right. So gears actually take six most times. Oh, I see. I see. So so the, the meat bag so is four. She, the meat bag always has four in both tracks. Got it. Okay. The vehicle has whatever um, the vehicle says. Yeah. So uh, where did I put them? 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 Where is he? There he is. 30. There's a vehicle in the RPG that has 30, effectively 30 hit points. Wow. Okay. Sure. But again, that's 30 total dice penalties to get you there. Yeah. And the dice penalties don't have to apply to every roll. Mm -hmm. Maybe you took three dice and the gear's arm got blown off, and then both legs took a point, and then the rocket pack got hit. Got it. That's going to disable the gear at that point. And if you hit twice that, it's wrecked. I see. Okay. And the same thing for people. Once a person takes four total penalties in either track, they're out. 
So they I could see. go down in as few as four. They could take up to eight. Right. right. If they split well, seven. Seven. That, well, you, you could proc both of them at the same time because the damage yeah. isn't required to just be one of them. Mm -hmm. Oh, sure. So you can hit somebody for both of them at the same time. Um, what this does is it also helps the GM quite a bit because it helps you not kill characters. Sure. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, crap, I rolled mass damage. I'm going to spread the damage out so you don't die. You may not like what sure. happens, but you're not dead yet. Right. Um, that's if the GM's feeling merciful, of course. <laughs> so, yeah, there's our character sheet. Kind of a bit on the hit point system. Inventory. Yeah, it's all inventory. Cool. Um, I do want to jump into a little bit on the inventory. One of the things we revive for the RPG is the concept of priority level. And that right. word has some meaning to people who used to play the game. What priority level is, is your party is called a team. And when you form your team, you select a sponsor. This is the faction you nominally work for. When you interact with that faction, you exist somewhere on their supply chain. The priority level is where you exist on that supply chain. Priority level one, they acknowledge you're on the system but the only reason you're getting a gun is because they have extras and you're technically supposed to have one. Priority level five is like, ooh, you're a top tier special forces. What do you want? Mm -hmm. You know, it's that Neo in the Matrix with all the guns going, what do you want? You can't have anything. Sure. So when you pick equipment, um, there's no money system in this game. There's no money system because you don't buy this kind of stuff. You don't buy a tank. The priority level system takes care of that and says, okay, you have access to this level of equipment. Yeah. I think that's right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you can, um, that gets bumped up throughout the campaign according to the uh, director's direction. So you accomplished a major goal or a major arc of the campaign. We're going to bump you up a priority level. The next time you go visit your faction sponsor or a base, you can draw new equipment. And all of the vehicles, all of the weapons, everything is gated behind priority level. Hmm. So at, like, priority level one, if you work for the north, you're getting things like hunters and bobcats and ferrets, the kind of junky stuff. You bump up to level two, okay, now you're getting a little bit more advanced stuff. Uh, things like the bear, the razorback, or I think the bear and the dingo, I remember both are there. No, I'm sorry, bear and mad dog I know are both at level two. So it's encouraging you to do that, but it's not you hoarding money. It's the team's progressive progress. So we've all met the D&D &D player who says, yeah, I'm going to loot everything and not tell anybody what I got because mm. I want all the money. Sure. It doesn't work here. Right. Your, your, your team stands together. So there's our equipment. Uh, a couple other things I want to mention because, sorry, this is running rambly. No, fine. No, no, it's great. Um, all the lot. gears are customizable. So we actually just overhauled this system, but gears, yeah, my gear list here. So let's hop over to, I was on North, we go to North. The Dingo. Okay, so the Dingo, you'll notice some, some new stats here compared to Blitz. There is a priority level. This is priority level three. If the team's not priority level three, your sponsor's not going to let you have this. Mm -hmm. Now, if you salvage it from the battlefield or get it as a reward, that's different. Right. 
You can't just walk into the, the quartermasters and be like, yo, give me it. Yeah, you're not going to get a dingo. Uh, crew is effectively actions. The crew actions individually. Um, so this is basically a one-action guy. Um, Hall Integrity 6, everything cool. If we scroll over here. Standard equipment, equipment loadouts, and this stuff. So all dingoes come with this stuff and what's listed on their individual variant. So this is the universal stuff. This is what each dingo variant gets uniquely. Mm -hmm. You can then customize the dingo mm. using a system of what are called slots. In this case, the dingo has four slots sitting in its torso. You can put things in those slots. Advanced fire control systems, smoke launchers, um, ram plates. You can put a tow hook on it if you want. All of that equipment takes a number of slots. As long as you've got the slots to fill it, you're good to go. There's some other restrictions, but that's the gist of it. The strip number here says, I want a dingo, but I want to get rid of all of the stuff it normally has. Mm -hmm. Strip it down to the base chassis. That's what you get in that column. I see. You still I get see. the standard stuff. Yeah. Let's stock on every dingo. But this right. lets you kind of build your own variant if you want it. Got it. I can make my panda. You could, well, you can make a grizzly, <laughs> or you can make a koala that acts like a panda. It'll happen. It'll happen. One day. <laughs> I, I mean, there's, so there's some stuff in here, and it's worth kind of bringing up in here. Um, there are some things in here that are unique to the RPG. Um, for example, if I hop over to Caprice here, um, Capricious Stick is that they actually can modify their their uh, striders. Mm -hmm. Nobody else can do that. Oh, cool. Oh, there I see. are okay. five RPG unique mounts in this list because Ooh. we need it. They are not slated for Blitz release. We don't plan to release wah, them for Blitz. Hmm? Are they like civilian mounts or just mounts that aren't used broadly for off-planet military actions? Or they, they are combat machines, but it's one of those things that Blitz is a little bit more of a constrained environment and wants to play by what we produce as a company. I see. Mm -hmm. The RPG is not limited to that and needs to cover as much ground as possible. Gotcha. So okay. Blitz is, it needs to be produced as a model to be in Blitz. It's kind of the general rule, or at least makeable out of the parts. Sure. Yeah. The little Hyatt down here is a freaking cyclone from Macross. A little transformable <laughs> motorcycle. I'm sorry, guys, it doesn't exist. Um, but like we needed it for the mount. Um, the sedan here is an engineering mount. Mm. It's got a little array and everything. Uh, I just want to highlight that there are some things in here that are RPG unique. Just because they're in here doesn't mean they'll ever make it to Blitz. Um, good example. I'll hop back to North here and go all the way to the bottom. All of the different Northern fighter jets are called out here with separate profiles. Mm. Oh, cool. Those aren't gonna make it on a blitz table. Sorry. They don't. They don't fit. But what you what you have said is one hundred percent confirmed. Caprice will be getting motorcycles that look like Macross cyclones. That's in what the I RPG. Heard. <laughs> in the RPG. On this list, I think Utopia's got an engineering armiger in there and things like that. Oh, good. But yeah, so we got our customization. You can customize your gear. All the weapons are gated behind priority levels, so you aren't going to get a heavy bazooka at level one. It's going to take you a little while to get there. You can also do stuff to them. You can put a scope on your weapons. You can put special ammo types on it. If you would like an autocannon with Inferno ammo, you can do that. 
If you want to take a rotary cannon and put a chainsaw bayonet on it, I'm not going to stop you. I want a scope on my frag cannon. You can do that. <laughs> and it, well, it may sound weird, but the gear doesn't physically look down the scope. It's just an upgraded targeting system is really what it is. So sure, it, it sure, still sure. makes sense. It's just funny. Um, you can also put a silencer on a bazooka. Yeah, yeah. Which is, it's always fun. Um, the combat system for the game is Blitz. If you're familiar with Blitz, you already kind of know how to play this game. The difference is, instead of being allowed your action stat per turn, you actually get four actions per round. Okay. Every action you take has to first off be declared before you roll any of them. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like, if you fight Infinity, it's Infinity. You have to, here's how I'm going to move, here's the actions I'm performing. Yep. Mm -hmm. All of the actions take a penalty of minus XD6, where X is the number of actions you took. So if you take all four actions, they're all going to take four dice and penalties. Uh-huh. You get okay. one action point that you can spend to make one of those actions ignored for that rule. So Amazing. if I spend my one action point and do one action, it takes no penalty. Mm. If I spend my one action point and take two actions, they'll both take a 1d6 penalty. Okay, okay. And then those actions also tie into reactions. That's how you get access to reactions. Mm. So you're spending action points to do things. Um, you can do more than that. You're just going to incur penalties for it. So what that lets you do practically in, say, Blitz is, okay, I've got this Koala here. Koala's got linked rocket packs and a grenade launcher and a heavy auto cannon. In Blitz, it can't fire all of them in one turn. In the RPG, sure, go for it. You're going to take you a bunch of penalties. potato dice. Yeah. You're going to take a bunch of penalties for it, but you can do it. Now, you might say, well, I'm going to spend my one action point to make my heavy auto cannon to uh, spend one action point. Now, all of a sudden, you only basically can't firing two at that point. The first one's ignored. Mm. So the action points just lets you, like, okay, this is where I'm going to spend to do cool stuff. You also have to spend action points to do reactions. Okay. So very much, it ends up in the same position as Blitz. You can just blow all of your weapons for massive penalties if you want them. Fire Other than that, it is literally the Blitz system. There's some expanded actions, like, okay, there's you have narratively insert narratively appropriate action. That's an option. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Okay. Like. Um, open. Open a door. Open a door. Um, help a friend. Yeah. That kind and, of stuff. And that's so that's, so that's, that's still lot, there. In a lot of ways, it. If you if you play one the other, you can play both pretty easily. And uh, especially if you're a blitz player, you've already got terrain. You've got models. You can do the combat in mm -hmm. PV space. You, know, and you can, of course, battle. do theater of the mind. Like, that's still there. Yeah. It still plays the same way. Um, that's another cool but why point. Why would you have all these cool models? Yeah. That's another cool point I want to bring up, though. Um, first off, the game has two scales, narrative and blitz. Narrative uses realistic weapon ranges. Blitz uses blitz ranges. Mm -hmm. It's a little more confined. Um, and then the other thing is, there is only one combat system. You're a guy on foot. You got the same combat system as you in a gear. You want to okay. go fight a gear? It's the same combat system. There is no transition. Okay. So the same system works at all levels. It's a terrible idea if you're a person going to go fight a gear. <laughs> because 
Well, uh, fun fact, the best armor you can get on foot is five. Is AR5 equivalent. So, that's, yeah, that's reasonable. That's reasonable. That Hunter with a Light Auto Can is going to really mess up your day, though. Yeah. Or, you know, heaven help you if they have a heavy. Right. So, you still don't want, and, and that's also like almost power armor level. Yeah, you're in a flail at that point. Yeah, you, your average guy with a flak jacket's armor three. Mm -hmm. If the Hunter hits him, you're three quarters of the way to out of commission. Yeah, don't get hit. Yeah, yeah. Well, just be agile. That's fine. Yeah. Now, to deal with all the little guys, if you have a bunch of infantry, you can switch to combining them into what we call swarms, which is blitz infantry rules. Okay, sure. It's called a swarm because it also works for creatures. Swarm, mm. right? Like, this is a swarm of wild dogs. Let's see. You're going to get attacked sure. by a pack of springers. Yeah, you get attacked by a pack of springers. You can treat that as one entity in-game using what's called a swarm. That's easy. That's nice bookkeeping, too. Yeah, it just makes it one thing. Or if you're on foot, you can track that there's five of them. Depends on how big of an encounter we're dealing with here. So yeah, um, bunch of bunch of stuff. It's been a bit rambly. It's been a bit out of order. I apologize. No, it's there, a whole you're, system. That was great. A lot of ground. But yeah, that's the gist of it. Well, that's pretty cool, right? So it uh, you basically done a massive overhaul to the skill system, right? With, and, with a narrative-heavy focus. Super, super tied to the narrative. Lots of affordances for both the game master and the players to have a narrative, character-focused reason for actions uh, and, like, just, like, making making the quirk of your character that you were going to do anyway in whatever system you're playing, because that's, like, the fun of the RPG, like that's actually got a stat block effectively now, right? You add or subtract dice based on uh, the thing you're defining. A lot of lot of open open customization space, and then uh, you have a rock solid combat system that's been tested uh, on the tabletop for for many many years, uh, mm -hmm. and and it scales nicely, and and you can add on all these extra. Um, narrative things that work at the at the small level right so like, like you were saying right if you have uh, a dingo with all the guns you can fire all the guns it'll, you'll have a terrible time hitting anything um but you can you can do that whereas you just straight up can't in blitz yeah, yeah. which is which is cool but yeah like you say i think you hit the nail on the head there it's a very much a shift towards narrative storytelling yep um our, our tagline has been people not numbers right mm-hmm like you want to talk to people, you don't want to talk to stats. It is still that crunchy blitz combat system with additions. Mm -hmm. So it's not like it's like uh, I, I've heard I've heard it compared to GURPS a lot. Okay. Like when we were explaining this to people, and I get it, but this has that crunchier combat system. Uh, there's a little bit more character creation. It's not quite mm -hmm. the hand waving that you see there. And it's, it's one combat system. It, it, it transitions from, you can go from a car chase to a knife fight to a gear uh, to a gear brawl without any jarring transitions. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's really interesting. There's not, that I can think of at least other, I, I can't think of another miniatures game which is so closely ingrained with its role-playing game counterpart and vice versa. Um, it's... I can think of a couple, but again, they don't really 
it doesn't quite work out as well. Like there's dramatic changes to make it work. Right, right. Um, so it's it's kind of neat to see all of this working together and kind of seeing how the the progression of the rules then how uh, for Blitz and how those rules got adapted into the role playing game and vice versa. Um, Oh, that does remind me. One more thing: you can convert your RPG player to your RPG character and vehicle to Blitz. Ooh. Sure. So if yeah. you heavily customize your koala and are a really good pilot, you actually can port that into Blitz. Is there There's a, a way to a to TV? estimate a threat value for that. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. Um, it is an estimate. Um, we do highly recommend. It's not a core part of Blitz gameplay. Sure. Get your opponent's permission and run it by them. But if you yeah, want to yeah. do it, you can. But this is absolutely like a dude. Can I run my PC from my RPG because he's so dope? And your friend will probably be like, "Sure, whatever." Yeah, <laughs> that sounds it, great. It, it tends to overestimate a bit, so we've noticed that it, it's a little bit aggressive. It, it it overestimates the cost by quite oh, a bit. I see. So it's overcosted. So, yeah. yeah, we've usually found them to be overcosted. There's ways to undercost it, like there's some stress points in there to undercost it, but on the whole, they tend to end up a little bit um, noticeably overcosted. Okay, I mean that's probably fine, honestly. Mm-hmm. Right, that, that's the direction that I, I would I would rather things go. Yeah, because for, yeah, for game yeah. balance, a lot of like traits and stuff like that, or weapons and blitz, um, which are kind of like this is in between this, but this is a point, and this is a like there's a point difference right. here, but there's a difference between this. Have all just been rounded up. Okay. So like, well, this weapon's worse than this one, but it's the same cost. Well, rounded up. We, we, we've yeah. done some rounding here. Yeah, you're right. It probably deserves to be half a point, but we don't deal with half points. It just rounds up. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Which, by the way, I do want to point out, it's not the Blitz point costing system. It's the RPG. Ver- it's RPG's point costing system. Again, so, it's run through a formula. I guess it, 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 Blitz it's, cost. It's not even really a formula. It's just it adds in there. The the what the traits, abilities, and stuff like that are more weighted on their RPG effects. Hmm. Um, same thing with the threat value on the models, because the threat value on the model is the RPG threat value. In many cases, they're very similar to the Blitz threat value, but there are some differences. Hmm. Um, things that have multiple crewmen in particular tend to do that. Oh, sure. Because in Bl- in the RPG, each crewman gets their own action set. Right. So, like, Clem here is two actions. Or, uh, yeah, because it's got so, two people yeah. in it, like yeah, um, it's a little, stuff. Yeah, we left the. So it's a little, a little bit inflated because the the menu of options is greater in RPG than it yeah. is in, right? Yeah. Okay. So Makes all sense. the point costs and all that, they rough the, the the converter roughly transports it over to Blitz, but it tends to overestimate it because it's assuming RPG effects that aren't there. Yeah. If that yeah. makes sense. Because it's, it's the same converter we use for the DM to say, okay, what's your estimated threat value? Sure, sure. All right, well, really cool. Thank you so much. This was this was awesome. <laughs> um, it it really seems like a great uh, a great evolution of the role playing game. And where where can people get the rules for it right now if they want to check it out? So currently, it is on the DreamPod nine forms. Uh, there is a RPG section, and we all set up in one document right now it's the 1.1 version we're actually looking at the 1.1 version right here um because this is going to go up probably tomorrow because this has all of the eden stuff on it and we didn't want to reveal that we got eden stuff Mm -hmm. and this also has hyena dark hyena on there 
Um, you will notice that the Druid is actually an Eden model in the RPG, not Universal. Sure. Again, it's that difference. It, it is two different systems. They're related to each other. They're siblings, but they do get to do their own thing. Makes sense. Cool. Super neat. Well, before we uh, before we kick off for the evening, uh, John and I got to play a little game of Heavy Gear that we'd like to uh, talk about using the 3.1 sneaky beta rules. Indeed. I'm Jamie Girl. So they should be up here. All right. Yeah, we played, uh, <laughs> John calls it laser bikes. Pew, 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 finger guns. Yep. Uh, I never use lasers on the bikes at all, but hey, whatever. It was too good of a title to pass up. <laughs> it, it really is. It's almost light cycles, but it's not quite. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, so long story short, I played um, one of the new Peace River sub-factions or sub-lists uh, that um, lets you. It's the one that lets you uh, take as many things as you want that have advanced or guided. Uh, so I just put a bunch of advanced on uh, on Spitz mono wheels. So I gave them laser rifles or laser infantry weapons because yeah. I wanted more. Of course, then I realized later that because um, they are GP plus and RC, I could have done alpha for the two slots of primary, two spits in the RC role, and then a secondary double GP plus. And that would have required no points expenditure. And <laughs> I was annoyed with myself later. But I figured that out as I was like messing with the list. So that's Sorry. that's my recon group. Um, my special operations group includes a uh, owl and two gladiator melee specialists. And the sublist also lets you change strike things into special operations and think, take the special operations deployment. Yeah, one strike group, right? Think goes back. Uh, yes. I can't remember. Uh, there, there are no strike groups because the strike group became a special operations. Yeah. And then I took a GP group of uh, laser snipers and laser infantry support weapons and a lambda vulture. Uh, because why not? Gross. Yeah. So that was actually pretty cool. I was I was pretty pretty happy with the list. Um, yeah. I I I've been iterating on it because I actually really really like the list. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, why don't you talk about your list? Yeah, well, I'll say one of the big things here is that you were playing a Peace River list that allows you to take a single uh, Black Talon. Black Talon per combat group, yeah. Yep. So my list, I took uh, WFP because I love the North and I love the Western Frontier. Um, I wanted to see how much just face punch I could uh, put comfortably into a list. So my first group is my strike group of two Clems. So that's the medium auto cannon and medium anti tank missile, as well as two chain gun razorbacks. Gross. Uh, backed up by a bobcat, um, which I forgot to note here was actually a secondary role of recon to allow me to recon deploy them if I wanted, which I, I didn't do in our game. But um, that bobcat gives me the ability to call in the artillery strike of double medium anti tank missiles and two artillery rockets if I want. Um, the second combat group was my uh, strike group. This is my airdrop group, Hunter Commando, Duelist with Agile, a uh, Tank Hunter Dingo with that light field gun, the Killer Koala Command, so I could have some decent orders as well as, uh, importantly, the medium flamethrower, and a Leopard Grenadier, which is just a fun model. Had a medium, I uh, upgraded its rocket launcher to the HMG, which is a, an option for North. Um, so it still has a lot of, it has such a huge variety of weapons. And then the uh, the last group is my recon group, 
which has a bobcat, a recon infantry team, and two stripped down assault hunters. So normally assault hunters aren't recon, but in the Western Frontier, you can add hunters to any kind of, or to basically any kind of combat group. Mm -hmm. So lots of, yeah, two precise snub cannons, two heavy rotary uh, cannons, medium anti-tank missiles, flamethrowers, field guns, all kinds of stuff. Everything I could take that could punch as hard as it could. Yep. So deployment here, uh, we were playing Supply Drop. So there's three different... Uh, this is our uh, one of our test games of Supply Drop that we have modified since then. But basically, it is... Um, a crate will land on one of the three objective positions on the table. Uh, randomly yeah, randomly chosen. Randomly chosen to return. So I figured I could go for a bit of a refused flank. So if you slow down the left side of the flank a little bit with that uh, Razorback kind of being the anchor with the Clem. Um, mm -hmm. And then put a heavy right flank to kind of give me the middle of the table in one of the objectives. So I've got two-thirds of them. I feel comfortably covered. Um, yeah. With, uh, I definitely took advantage of the Western Frontier ability to airdrop in different positions. So yeah, airdrop out of formation yeah. is so good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So let me put like my bot, my leopard all the way on one side of the table, um, with my hunter commando literally on the opposite end of the table. So very cool. Is your your, your uh, deployment? Yeah, so uh, even though we wrote the missions, I conveniently forgot that you need hands to pick up the objective. So I have a ton of infantry and ton of bikes and very few models with hands. Uh, so I could have had a really bad time of it um, if anything dropped on the left. Thankfully, only one thing did during the game. Spoiler alert! Uh, yeah. And I put, I figured I would, I would comfortably secure the right with a pair of gladiators and an owl uh, using the special operations deployment. Uh, and then the middle would be covered by the vulture and raven. I was like, well, hopefully all three don't drop on the left. That would be bad. So, yeah. um, and then, but if it does, I'll, I'll contest it with the vulture and, um, and the assault squads and I can send the spits after whatever grabs it and, and, you know, light infantry grenade and launch her into death. So that was, that was the plan. Um, I, I won, uh, I should say I chose, uh, I chose assassinate on your recon team and one of the bobcats and uh, break the line, and you chose capture and pave the way. Yeah. You targeted my infantry teams and my uh, gladiator owl squad. That's right, I believe. Um, so yeah, so I won initiative. Uh, I am in very, very impressed uh, with the performance of uh, of the infantry. Oh my god! Like it is, it is really good. Uh, to answer Magnate's question, um, if you go to mercurycon.net, I have all of the I have battle reports for basically all the factions now. You can check that out. Also, lumberingsbrocket.com has some information in pointers, so you can, there's a start button there. You can maybe get some information there. And our best YouTube to, like, channel, we started going through the different factions. Yeah. Also, also that too. So you can go to uh, youtube.com uh, and look up our show, and you'll have all the things. There's a, there's a playlist for heavy gear. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah. So I think in the first turn of shooting with the uh, maybe maybe you no you won initiative and you were shooting at my uh, shooting at my gladiator which like yeah. ignored all this is agile on a DCM so but anyway my counter strike was I vaporized uh, your I aced I aced your recon squad with a laser sniper rifle I blew up like I half blew up a bobcat did four points of damage to a clam and wiped out a hunter with like basically just infantry and one field gunshot yeah 
culture, which is just like disgusting. That felt pretty good. I mean, having your uh, infantry one shot a hunter. <laughs> yeah, like I, I think I did five points, and then like I shot the clamp with the field gun, and then it, the explosion blew up the last point on the hunter. I felt like that one got removed from the table. I think I got one shot. One of them, maybe there. You had you had two things, and I, I, two. I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah the, it was it was bad because it was like three dice on three uh, d six plus two because of precise advance on the rifles, which is just disgusting. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so infantry with laser guns, super good. Would recommend. Um, and then the rest of the game was just sort of playing very casually. You, you tried to take down my vulture because that was the easiest way to take down, uh, take down uh, half of the squad. Right, because it's worth it's worth two actions. Uh, and then and then all the all the uh, objectives dropped right next to my owls and gladiators, and they have the movement. And nobody really wants to challenge a brawl two guy with medium fiber blade uh, in close combat. Yeah. So having, you did having three of the four objectives land. On the 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 side, my reviews blank. The opposite side. Yeah. Did uh, did not do me any favors, but right. the the other thing is just the sheer amount of damage you're able to do. Um, yeah. Like all game, I killed two infantry squads and a couple bikes. You killed two infantry squads. Period. Okay. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. So just dealing with infantry and cover is a huge pain in the butt. The flamethrower on the medium flamethrower worked, worked a treat. What? worked a treat you killed them all yeah that thing it's it, like it took two actions up. worth but it torched all of the uh, the infantry in that one building um and that yeah. was 100 percent of my kills this game <laughs> i mean that was that was really rough right like you because you parked your i uh, was that, that's the koala you parked your koala there and then when i activated the infantry to shoot at stuff you just roasted for roasted both of them yeah. which is pretty pretty rad um but yeah like a lot of a lot of i, t- I tend to poo poo full squad bikes because they're larger bases and they're and they're still pretty easy to kill but uh i think you managed to reduce two out of my four bikes to one structure remaining that's right that's right uh and that was just like i was like okay i'll, I'll take a, an, another action of shooting at stuff that seems fine um so yeah i mean there was this moment when my gladiator iced your leopard by rolling quad sixes I was like, well, uh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I, I will not be taking a reroll. Well, yeah. that happened. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Um, no, it was a uh, it was a brutal game. Um, yeah, to say the least. Yeah, those objectives. I was fine with the losses. I was expecting to lose models. I my whole goal was like, I don't care how many guys die as long as I pick up the objectives. And then right. none of the objectives landed on my side of the table. Yep. <laughs> so, what are you gonna do? But well, what we're gonna do is change the mission because it exposed a pretty uh, glaring hole, right? So, what we did for so we actually played a game of infinity like this. Same idea: three supplies in the middle of the table. You have to go get them. Mm-hmm. But once a thing drops on the table, you can't drop there again, right? Yeah. And we should either do that or do what we're, just, we're thinking of doing, which is on turn one, you establish the direction in which the supplies will drop. And then on turn two, they begin arriving. So it's to represent like an airplane flying over and then dropping stuff out the back. Exactly. I've actually already updated the HGBTS rules to be this one. Gotcha. So, so turn one is basically your turn to redeploy um, as, you know, yeah. as, as the aircraft enters sight, right? Like, which way is it coming? There it is. 
quick, go to, you know, get, get, uh, get ahead, get your positions. Um, and then, yeah, it'll go, either go left to right or right to left, uh, depending on whichever one you roll at the beginning of the game. Mm -hmm. So it was a, it was it was a, a good fun game. mission. I really am enjoying the, uh, the tournament missions they've come up with yeah. just to add an extra, uh, an extra level of interest to the, to the gameplay. You still mm -hmm. have your secondary objectives. But having yep. some common objectives to fight over in the process is fantastic. Yep. So, well, very cool. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Indeed. All right. Um, quick note, it is the new month for Emmet Academy uh, drawing. Or, or normally, we'd have a, uh, a wheel of names situation here, but there were two people that submitted. One of them has won twice in a row recently, so Tim... Uh, AKA Crazy Nomad, you get the Roman Academy prize. Uh, <laughs> and I will be in contact shortly to let you know uh, what you should tell me what you want, rather. Um, but yeah. Cool, I think that wraps it up. Well, you've wasted another perfectly good evening listening to Late Night War Games. All right, John, take it away. Yeah, so remember, you can write into us at mailbag.latenightwargames.com. Question, comments, fan mail, anything you want us to let us know, or you want to come on the show, anything like that. Um, we, uh, this month's Bromad Academy mission is play a game. Tell us why you love Infinity. Uh, we've got Lumbering Sprocket missions for you, too. Go check that out. It's going to run through the end of the quarter. Um, we've got uh, Infinity Academy article for you to read if you're interested. Uh, we're here every other Tuesday, so you'll see us again in two weeks. Um, and we'll be talking about Infinity and other games then. Uh, so that's 8.30 p.m. Pacific. We've got shows on Monday and Wednesday. Uh, uh, Frank is adding some heavy gear content. You may have seen that on the. Uh, you have seen that on Twitch. It'll be coming to the channel soon once we get the uh, all the art assets in place. Uh, and then we've got, of course, Tabletop Throwdown on uh, Sundays and Moonstone Mayhem on Wednesdays. So you can check all of that out on our YouTube channel if you can't make Twitch times. We get it. It's weird times for a lot of people, especially if you're not in the United States. Uh, and a lot of our uh, viewership is actually uh, outside of the U.S., which is pretty awesome. We're pretty excited about that. So um, if you like what you, we do and you want to support us, you can, of course, uh, become a late-night wargamer on Patreon uh, and and uh, get the chance to um, hear about stuff a little earlier in our Discord. Join the Discord, get access to some secret areas, and also, uh, depending on when you join, how long you've been with us, we'll send you minis and stuff. Uh, and we're exploring some new ideas for uh, Patreon, supporting our patrons who support us, uh, and we'll we'll have share more details about that once they become available. Um, yeah. So thanks, of course, to all of our existing Lightning Wargamers on Patreon and our sponsors, DreamPod9, uh, Mythic Games, Corvus Valley, Board and Brew, and Brutal Cities. Uh, Nick, is there anything you want to uh, to plug before we head out? Nope, I'm good to go. All righty. Well, I'll plug it for him. Uh, there's a thing called Heavy Gear Role-Playing Game 4th Edition beta that you can check out. Okay, fair. <laughs> it's over on the... Yeah, you can download the beta test rules over on the Dream P uh, DreamPod9 forums. Um, and... <laughs> <laughs> we will yeah. happily take all the conversation, discussion, commentary, complaining. We'll hear it all. Yeah. All right, so be sure to catch us on Facebook, YouTube, anywhere to get your podcast. If you enjoy the show, please take a moment to give us a five-star rating on iTunes and follow us on Twitch and YouTube. Push, push all the buttons, the bells, the crowns, the stars, the the, the things. Um, all of this helps us bring you the best content that we possibly can. It might not be great, Yay. but it's the best. <laughs> <laughs> all right, good night, everybody. Stay safe out there. Have a good one. You can do it, Adam. You can find the button. <laughs>